0: So welcome everybody to The Four Horsemen. Obviously, this is going to be a pretty wild ride for everybody. Just so you guys know how this works, this show only exists in reaction to to things that happen. Drama, news uh, that happens in the esports industry. Not always going to be about League of Legends, although League of Legends does provide many of these things over time and did provide the fodder for this first episode, obviously. Now, what happens is we do a summoning on Twitter, so you guys have to give us the retweets in order for the show to start. The show won't start until we hit a retweet target and the summoning is complete. If we don't hit that target, it clearly wasn't important enough and we don't do a show. So uh, we don't know how often this show is going to happen. We don't know what days it's going to happen. We don't know what time it's going to happen. But here we are. You can follow this channel. It will be here on Inside and in Esports. And finally... Thorin, and Richard and I have gotten together to do something. And I think that uh, we will offer some very unique opinions on region locking today, probably ones that you will not expect. Um, I think all of us come into this with extensive experience in region locking from things like StarCraft, Overwatch League other entities that have existed with region locking and without region locking in the past. And Everyone's
1: t- fucking region locked at the moment in counter <laughs> right? because of the well, fucking of pandemic. Course. I so, mean, everybody is... Meant.
0: Region locking is just necessary now in every eSport yeah. because of the pandemic, which is interesting in and of itself. Joining That's us, rich, Boris, John- it? Boris Johnson just you told know. me
1: I'm fucking region locked <laughs> until June. So. It's kind
0: of rich, <laughs> isn't it? Cheers, all, those Americans,
2: all those Americans didn't want anyone coming last year. Now they're all fucking begging for us. What is this? Just make your mind up, for fuck's
0: sake. And yes when we uh, when we when this goes on to YouTube it will be on the inside on eSports YouTube I will make a separate Spotify account and podcast account you can follow us on Twitter for that Joining us today is our fourth horseman So how this works is that every time we have a show we will get a guest horseman today it's Danan who is the general manager of the Golden Guardians and why we're doing this is because we like to have expert perspectives and because Danon has been, a part of these conversations, obviously, is uh, a, one of the GMs of an LCS team and we will bring that perspective and kind of where he thinks the other teams are landing on this and we can have a more uh, diverse Discussion here as it were depending on everyone's opinions and I actually don't know Richard and Thorin's opinions on this So this is going to be very interesting for all of us. I'm sure so welcome Was well, it
2: implied that Danon might also be here because he's gonna like argue in favor of some of the current things Was that even an implication? Did you try and set the table based on what you thought people thought? <laughs> he
3: I... didn't he didn't really ask honestly You guys oh, are gonna be enough. surprised probably when you start hearing my perspective because okay. I'm probably in a fair completely time. different area
2: Just wondered
0: yeah. And obviously, the other thing that happened here is why this show got started on this particular topic is Richard messaged us last week. He's like, hey, do you think this region locking conversation is uh, is it good for a four horseman show? I'm like, I don't know, man. We've had this conversation a million times before. It just seems like a different iteration of it. And then what happens is the owners started saying things on Reddit and Twitter yeah. and it got real stupid, real fast. And then we knew. What
2: happened is the Kanye West of eSports, <laughs> Reggie, <laughs> tweeted out, broke the motherfucking matrix again, didn't he? And now we all have to talk about what he's talking about. So Kanye apparently. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's this week.
0: It was so dumb that it actually necessitated this show, so that we could. Because the problem, guys, is that the reason why the show exists is to have a more in-depth conversation, an intelligent yes. conversation on these topics. So when things start to get stupid, the four horsemen must come and set things right. Is how it's going to go. So here's how I describe Monty when Reggie does a tweet on industry stuff.
2: It's like that moment when you're in a nightclub, right? And you 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 know you've had a few drinks, things are going awesome, you've you got a good vibe, the music, and then you know when they just shut the music off because it's time to close the club down they pull those lights off and it doesn't matter how drunk you are you instantly feel like stone sober. like holy fuck what am I doing with my life you have like a moment of clarity that's what I get when Reggie tweets because when he tweets I sometimes go it's almost like you don't have to tweet every thought you have, and then I go, "Whoa, fucking hell. And then I go, then I go back into my, you know, I go back into my own reality and just keep going on. It anyway. <laughs> he, he almost makes me see myself from the outside, but not quite.
3: Is Reggie that active on Twitter recently? I, I, I'm honestly not not usually confused.
2: that's what's bizarre. You only really seem to, yeah, do that's this, why it like stood out to me. Like was out. doesn't he usually do like pretty infrequent tweets? It's usually just some crap mm-hmm. like "GG, well played," doesn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, I think there's obviously some banter probably between him and Jack whenever they play, but otherwise it's. Pretty low-key. This was just kind of randomly thrown in. Honestly, my guess is this was actually a reaction to um, probably the criticism levied against Jack. Jack went on Reddit at some point um, in response to—I'm not sure if you guys caught. There's like 10 Twitter videos that uh, Travis put together, one from every single owner rep yep, uh, in the right. league or at every GM. Basically, we did like little press conferences this week for the first time um any that's how you know civilization might
1: actually be ending in 2021 cuz Travis Gafford has started doing journalism <laughs> so I've, if that's not a fucking harbinger of him, I know, right? Doom, I, don't know what, I don't know what the fuck is.
2: I'm amazed he even had time. I thought he was locked away in that massive room with like 58 TV monitors just watching in case anyone fucking, like, oh, there's a, there's a slight heat signature outside the, the fucking storm drain of a TSM mansion. Is that it's like human? <laughs> <laughs>
1: this
2: motherfucker's like some sort of like fucking uh, honorary uh, Stasi member. What's he doing? What is this?
0: Turn too don't far, Travis. Shut
2: it down, mate. Come on. <laughs> Go back to the Doublelift interviews. You know what? <laughs> Who knew that happened, Richard? Travis, just bring him back, mate. I want to know what Double Doublelift thinks now. You know? I, know, I think that's your wheelhouse, mate. Just stay in there. That's in like the batting cage. You're just swinging, hitting all day long. Real pitches. They can get dodgy mate. the sliders and everything.
3: I'm so kind of surprised Doublelift isn't like a Travis Gafford Industries lead correspondent at this point, right? The second he steps into the content limelight, like, you just assume he's gonna he's gonna use him for everything. <laughs>
0: Who knows? Who knows? All right. So let's let's get started here. Let's set the table first off, because mm-hmm. this has been an issue that has been going on for a long time. And for those of you who, you know, I imagine we're probably going to get many crossover esports audience people throughout the lifetime of this show. Um, and we're going to try and pick topics that, while this is particularly relevant to the LCS and League of Legends right now, this is kind of a conversation that has happened many times across many esports and will happen continuously again in the future without a shadow of a doubt. So for those of you who may not know League of Legends, let's talk about what's happening. So currently in the game League of Legends, we have all these different regions, uh, North America, Europe, China, Turkey, Korea, Brazil. Now, each of these leagues has a region lock, which means that there cannot be more than two players on every team um, that can play in a game that are not residents of that region now resident could be a citizen of a north american uh for example uh, country canada uh the united states mexico uh or it could be somebody who has a green card a legal residency status uh within that region which is oftentimes in in league of legends it's mostly people with green cards in america it's not really people with residency in europe or china or korea which are the other major regions Uh, So if you've been in the U.S. long enough uh, and you are a legal U.S. resident, then you may, in fact, uh, play without counting as an import. Now, why is this important? Well, to put it frankly, North American players suck at League of Legends. This is a big problem uh, for LCS teams because that means that to compete at an international level... um, they have to do imports. So some of the best teams in League of Legends right now, such as Team Liquid, feature four imported players because several of their players have green card or residency status right now. There's one piece of context
2: you forgot there, though, which isn't just that they sure. suck, because this
0: is Brazil's players fucking
2: suck in League of Legends too, and they don't have any problem with this. The other problem is they suck, but the owners have an enormous amount of resources. That's Correct. the problem. It's the two at the same time, because the real problem is, right, in Europe in theory similar levels of money not quite as much you just don't need to import you got all the players therefore you don't do the imports it's like in theory in china they only did it because koreans were better like basically it has to be like the meeting of the two because the real debate as far as i can tell here is like i think the owners are just like low-key saying like we just we why can't we win just because we have to have north american players like they just want to be able to buy anyone you know
0: <laughs> yes and that is a that's
2: the motivating factor yeah
0: and that is a very north american sports mentality right north american yes. sports owners are used to being able to buy any player in the World to come compete in the NBA or the NHL, or I mean, not the NFL because those people are all American anyway. Um, But these are baseball, these kind of sports, Mm -hmm. um, you know. And for me, it's also interesting because recently the LCS is allowed to treat uh, players from Australia and New Zealand as non import players, as resident players, even though uh, they don't have that residency. So actually, the pool of players has opened up even further. Uh, for LCS players, which I agreed with at the time, but there is a lot of fundamental issues here. So Thorm, why don't you kick off the conversation about region as the historian region locking in esports and the effects that it's had, not only on league, but on other games as well. Sure. I mean, at some point, because I'm assuming we're also going to, you know, draw more general co- concepts
2: about sure. like, economies and the way the world works. One thing, actually, at some point, I hope we bring up is that people might think there's no sports precedent here, because as you said once, you like in American sports, typically you can just buy whatever you want, and then in the other, it's the similar scenarios in like League of Legends. There's in a lot of scenarios, why would you, why would you need to import people? There's already going to be people in your country. But people might not know actually, f- European soccer, football, was actually a sport that heavily used import rules. Like famously, the one of the leagues I remember, I'm sure Richard could talk to you was La Liga, the, the Spanish league. You could only have a, a couple of players who were foreign players. So, for example, when legendary players like um, fucking Maradona and stuff and players that were around like you had basically like two of these players as far as I know and it would be quite similar to like how they do in LCS now like you obviously go for your star positions there. you don't just take you know some like left back defender who's just okay and have him be the input, you have it be the striker or something so it's not like it's a topic that is only unique to esports but obviously esports is the area where to tie back into what I was saying there Monty contextually the reason I think it exists in e- e- esports let's be real I'll just cut through all the bullshit it's when a North American can't win at the game but he has all. <laughs> all the money to buy someone who can win the game. That's when the problems always arise. Because you know what? No one really was crying, actually, Monty, for WCS Europe. Like, oh, these Koreans are killing it. it's like, you know what? That's pretty good fucking players in Europe. North American WCS would have been wiped out. So if people don't know when Blizzard, who were basically the first game dev to actually like overall implement like the tournament circuit they were actually similar time with WCS as with um, LCS in terms of like, when they did the region version but they had like a season 2 version in 2012 as well essentially when they did this tournament they were the first ones to make it where similar to what Monty says you had to have like actual residency status to play in WCS North America so famously for example like j Dong and Polt I think it was were able to play the North American one because they had like green cards from EG and whoever else yep. and I can't actually remember who Polt was playing for at the time and then so basically it immediately limited the number of koreans who could play because in that game it was actually the opposite in that one that was actually to keep people out of the region just koreans because the fear was koreans were just far and away the best in starcraft so if you don't keep them out there will just only be koreans in the tournament, which isn't necessarily totally implausible because if people don't know the year before they did the region locking they had the blizzard blizzcon world finals there were 16 players And one player was not Korean. It was my (laughs) Naniwa, and he just went out immediately in the first round because he had to play the the best Korean. So, like, I I, I get that. Basically, this is one of the topics that I'm sure I'll keep open-ended here for this discussion. In my opinion, the discussion goes like this. A general principle of, like, where should you be allowed to work? Should we, like, limit these things? Like, specific to League of Legends, like NA, what's their situation? But then also, like, the broader topic of, in my opinion, you've got to also have, like... Where do you come down on this, like, philosophically? It can't just be like, oh, I don't like TSM, therefore I shouldn't be a lot more. No, like, the the logic has to, like, apply to all three, in my opinion. So there's a lot of areas we can go with this. Right. StarCraft's the big one, basically.
0: And it has to be noted, too, because we're dealing with people here in this conversation who have been a part of many esports for, you know, one to two decades. This region locking is an aberration in esports, okay? It is a recent thing compared mm-hmm. to the history of esports and most esports do not engage in region locking so from my perspective it's weird to even have region locking in the first place and i imagine it's the same with you right richard
1: uh for me i like you know coming from a mainstream sports background and haven't done like sports reporting as well i always thought that you know this concept of like region locking and like limiting foreign talent into a league um for for me it's one of those things where it's it's sort of it, it makes sense i think in in the regards that you have conflicting interests at all level of sports so you have like an umbrella organization that is in charge of all sports in a country then you have leagues the leagues have stakeholders that buy into the league and as a result if anyone has like a financial disparity if one club is wealthier than the other What you start seeing is that club is like, if there were no rules imposed, then the club with the money has all the talent and you end up with these, you know, unbreakable dynasties. And so a lot of what league structures are set up to do is to prevent concentration of talent. It's like the NFL with a draft system, yes. right? You finish at the bottom, we give you the first pick in the college draft. So you get the great young prospect and at the absolute worst case scenario, you either get a player that you can build around or you get somebody that when you eventually trade him off, you know, it's going to give you some salary options for your, uh, you know, wage cap and stuff like that so i mean for me when i came into esports i was like I suppose uh we don't have to we can break from tradition and we don't have to do what mainstream sports does. But the problem you start seeing is the exact same problem that happens in all sports. And it's not just an American problem, although I will add, American arrogance combined with American money, creates its own set of headaches in every fucking sport since time <laughs> immemorial. Right? You know, there's no getting away. I mean, as a European you just have to fucking roll your eyes. But um but the the reality is I think um, You know, it's actually... I I like the idea of limiting talent i don't like region locking in tournaments i think tournaments become special when people all travel from all over the world and you'll see americans play against koreans playing against chinese playing against europeans fantastic love all of that but when it comes to what we're going to talk about and segue into a little bit which is limiting talent and limiting imports um, i think that has become an absolute necessity to prevent the haves running away uh, from the have nots, so it's been it's been an eye opener for me. It's like what Blizzard did in WCS was an unmitigated disaster uh, in terms of cordoning off all the talent. There was many people who told them that this wasn't going to fix the fundamental problems that you had, and that they were staring into the abyss in, in StarCraft Two over. Even if it would have, they did it too late anyway because it's Activision Blizzard. Um, they never do anything in a timely fashion. But but I but I think basically what you end up with is a snowball effect. If you cordon off a region and they don't compete against the regions that are the best, they fall further and further behind because those regions already have the best to practice against and you create this disparity and then that creates the need to import talent, which then has an impacting effect if you don't develop talent in your region. So you have to be very careful about how you implement these things and of course, no one's careful about anything in esports because it's run by morons.
0: (laughs) That's that's true. And Dana, I think it's really interesting to have you on this show because your organization golden guardians was very successful last year at developing talent uh within the lcs and you were in an unfortunate financial situation where you had to sell most of those players uh because of the pandemic and the way that it affected your parent organization but you're also coming from uh the traditional sports background because golden guardians is in fact owned by the nba team the golden state warriors so i'm sure that um now NBA is a very interesting system because it's kind of halfway between the NFL, where there's a salary cap, and Major League Baseball, which is just totally spend as much money as you like, right? And you can be a super team. (laughs) NBA has a Mm -hmm. luxury tax where you can exceed the cap, but it's much more expensive. So teams are... I would say discouraged from doing that most of the time. So from from your end, where are you standing on like region locking? Because you've actually been successful in ways many teams have not, which has been developing North American players.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think what's been interesting about uh, Golden Guardians, at least for, for our problem solving, was trying to recognize how to uh, kind of play within the restrictions that we have. I think one of the issues, and that's something I want to talk about when we get a chance here um is what we've done grandfathering imports the way we did um i'm not fundamentally against or for um restri- uh, the restrictions uh, either way i actually think it's a bigger question of like what's the principal idea of how you want to grow the league what are you trying to do um obviously that includes the owners and the league everyone has to be on the same page for that and clearly right now they're not um but for me specifically i've been kind of challenged when i'm building rosters. Uh, to work within the awkward restriction that there's like some players that are exceptions some that aren't and obviously when we're talking I'm, inevitably we're going to get to the salary inflation we're going to probably talk immortals we're probably going to talk um, especially this big big off offseason um, working in, uh, around players that you can or can't get access to the have or have nots, as you already as you've already put it is honestly the crux of, of, of my issue the yeah. entire time.
0: And I think that where this is coming from, I mean, it's interesting that it's coming from Reggie and Jack who are less affected uh, as as TSM and Cloud9 by some of the problems uh, within yeah. the, the structure because they are the haves in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and to describe to people who don't know, what happens when you're a GM in the LCS is there are certain players who are residents whose salaries get crazy inflated because they don't count up against your import limit, right? Right. Um, And there are players who were grandfathered in when they created this rule who didn't have to have green cards. They were just in the LCS prior to them uh, instituting region locking. So what ends up happening is that Anytime you make a move as a GM in the LCS, it's dependent on the dominoes falling in a certain way because you have to kind of fill your non-import slots before you fill your import slots a lot of the time. So you're like trying to put the puzzle together in a very strange way. And one player can actually hold up like five teams signing rosters. And I hear about this every offseason from the team owners and managers. Oh, this person needs to sign to a team before six other deals can happen. Right. Which is normal Mm -hmm. in sports, but the bottleneck is really severe in League of Legends right now for that reason.
3: Yep. I mean, last offseason, everyone was holding their breath for Bjergsen, obviously, who's the most famous resident import we have. Uh, And then this last offseason was another situation where I I can imagine, you know, six plus out of the 10, more than half of the league holding their breath, uh, querying whether Jensen's going to see free agency. Right. Another resident import. Uh, simultaneously impact like this this offseason if anything was probably uh, the biggest example of of how much pressure can be put on everybody um, when you're trying to like work within within these restrictions and there's not a lot of flexibility and a little wiggle room and obviously that's what's ultimately in my opinion pressuring where we're at right now.
2: I think that's actually the part that's also whack about this discussion, unfortunately, is it becomes too specific to League of Legends because what they haven't done is either of the two obvious extremes. You either just say everyone's allowed by anyone you want, or you say nobody's allowed. Yes. Nobody's allowed. You have to be from North America. Instead, what they did stupidly is not only did they make some weird middle ground where you can sort of become a North American within a couple of years, but even worse, as Danon said here, instead of just saying, right, we're doing this system from today, and everyone who gets to X number of years, no, no, they just said, unfortunately, from today when we started, we're just going to let a bunch of you skip the queue. Bjergsen, you're in already, mate. You're, you're already a North American now. Like after, I think he played something ridiculous like a year or two less than I think like Hooney before he got his status. Because remember, yeah. Hooney only arrived in like season six to North America. Wasn't it? He was, only came recently. So as a result, you've got this bizarre scenario, which is never talked about, by the way, which is everyone at the moment talks at like this. Oh, but if you let everyone recruit everyone, they'll just recruit five Koreans. There'll be no North Americans. <laughs> and then they go, oh, you'd have to make it just North Americans. What we don't talk about is we're not just increasing the value of the North Americans. We're making this bizarre, fucked up, like, subclass of North Americans who are mm-hmm. actually just like Europeans, Koreans, and Chinese people who don't play in their region, who if they stay long enough, even though their actual level of play will almost certainly degrade over time because no one has, like, a 20-year career, they will actually get more valuable as their skill degrades. <laughs> and in fact, that's the maddest part. I'm not even arguing, should Golden Glue be allowed to play? I'm arguing, should Phoenix be allowed to play instead of Golden Glue? Because he played three years long. Like, that's where the whole thing to me gets lost completely. Like this, you know the like specifics. Because what what I like about this discussion is more like sort of the philosophical angle. Like for example, I'll give you a teaser right now. I won't go into my whole spiel, but basically, I'm actually not in favor of region locks just because I like think about what my philosophy is as somebody follows esports. I just like to watch the best players play in the best matches and have the highest quality game. Like I don't actually think it's a human right to be able to play video games professionally. (laughs) I believe it's a privilege, and if you can get that gig, great. If you can't, sorry. I hope there's a real job for you in the world. You know.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's. Uh, I'll I'll jump on that perspective and say yeah, do it. it is funny to be critical of the idea and say like you know the region I don't know is going to lose its identity or something. Um, obviously, the, the the country itself was was built on immigrants, and if we aren't if you haven't looked at the current skew of the league. Uh, At this point, I'm pretty sure Americans and Canadians are the minority, and that's ignoring the concept of when you say North America, you're supposed to include Mexico. But like we've wrapped them out due to LLA and like our region setup. Sure. Um, it's it's definitely weird. Obviously, with uh, with Australia joining as well as the rest of the Oceanic region, like that's obviously further complicated it. But I think if you were to say like, oh, right now there's like this this overwhelming terror that tomorrow there just isn't going to be any real identity to our region, I'd be like aren't we, aren't we kind of like, that's what the grandfathered system is already kind of doing. We automatically brought in like six players. We've done like another 10 or 15 over the last couple of years. Um, we never just ultimately picked a side. We never said, okay, this is how we're, this is how we're restricting. This is going to happen. We kept trying to find this like happy middle ground, which, which is fair, right? They're trying to appeal to all the parties, but uh, as you can tell, unfortunately it just, it hasn't worked. Like, I don't think anyone is like super thrilled with the current system, um, fans included. I think obviously they're gonna argue the other direction, but when you see how they respond to the results, they clearly disagree. Yeah, and I think what's
0: what's being lost here too in this discussion is the first thing that comes comes to mind is that when we talk about region locking, it's not that it would only be LCS that would be unlocked, right? That would be unfair yeah. to all of the other regions. So really the conversation is not about should LCS have no region restrictions? Wright would never make that decision just for LCS. It would be should all regions be unlocked because that's the only the joke way joke is
2: TSM, because obviously they don't think these things through. Inadvertently, in asking for regions to be unlocked, will probably mean a Chinese billionaire buys like the yeah. US Korean team and then just wins
1: Worlds. So. And, and, <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that's where I was going to jump in yeah. because w- this is when you really start to identify the fundamental problem specific to this League of Legends thing. Not many other team owners are, are, are stupid as stupid as as Reginald has been and Jack to a lesser degree. Um, you know, in the sense that if you ask for the rules to be changed and they have to be universally applied well why do you think a region that's already an, or an org that already has more money than you won't outspend you if you want to make it a spending contest
3: can i really quickly
1: yeah yeah go Sorry, on,
3: this is something i've been wanting to jump on because a lot of people have been pointing out obviously like we're just going to get run over by china i'm curious do you guys think honestly that we would just see the best talent go to China, which I, that's been my long-term concern. I'm concerned about the idea that LPL becomes the NFL MLB equivalent for league of legends. And that's where all the top, even staff myself have to go. Um, when we start looking at like, how do you elevate the game? Um, but I'm curious, are, are you, are you guys under the impression that they wouldn't simply go to what could be the most valuable market, which a lot of people argue is obviously North America, that's where the resources are. They're the more, I guess the more valuable eyeballs, uh, couldn't they just buy TSM? <laughs> why why would they why would they import those players to uh to China when they could just purchase TSM uh and bring those players here?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, mean for me yeah, like my, my thoughts on that are just this, that when you create, so let's say we do get this and we get this insane spend off between North America and China, that's essentially what it would come down to. Those mm-hmm. are the markets. It's not that South Korea aren't in the equation. It's just not how they- There are some Korean teams, teams like T1 is
0: owned things. by Comcast. So
3: true. like, yeah. you know, okay. I think
0: there would be some teams T1 like, like T1, T1 Gen He's really
3: trying true. to lean on their yeah. Western presence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah
0: but
1: but but in general like once once you start pitching you know, pitting um you know the, the the kind of chinese spend the two maybe korean orgs that would get involved in the north american spend what it starts coming down to is the players going out and getting those big fat contracts and mm-hmm. generally i think there's a lot of players in league of legends especially like if your choice is go to north america and maybe have um you know a significant amount of cultural upheaval or get yourself some you know let's say you're already a chinese player and it's just go to the chinese billionaire super club and you know make your money there i mean that's a no-brainer right and then there's a lot of people as well you know if, if you're already an english speaker and you've already got a big like following yeah maybe you are better off in north america i think there's a lot of asian players for which that's few and far between and Mm -hmm. so as a result my concern would would just simply be chinese dominance not to mention we know when we get into pissing contests china generally like to win them and i think they have the will and and certainly more money Uh, than a lot of these North American organizations. For me, what was essentially being said when when I saw Reginald's tweets and subsequent Twitter meltdown, it was almost like they wanted an exemption. They wanted an exception, which let's be fair. They're not thinking. Yeah, they're not thinking. Exactly. They're not thinking universally. They're thinking about their own tiny little concerns which is generally how these guys operate and the fact that honestly the big orgs in north america do get a lot of favoritism from riot in general so they are probably literally thinking there is some world which they can strong-arm riot so they get a rule that won't even apply to the chinese teams they probably legitimately believe that i know reginald believes things like that because i've talked to him he's a guy who despite running a successful org he doesn't understand the ecosystem of esports this is a guy who told ESL, yeah but what have you ever done for esports you know this this guy just doesn't see big pictures at all like no matter how much you point at them and go hey reggie look at that big picture over there he doesn't get it so I, i i i think if you bring in a rule where hey no go fucking import crazy spend as much money as you want china absolutely wrecks everyone yeah
0: it's sure. also true because the Chinese teams are owned by many of them are owned by billionaires, the the richest people in China. And these are toys for these people in the same way that mm-hmm. sports franchises are toys for billionaires in America. So, uh, you know, outspending them on a vanity project is going to be very difficult. And I do think that there would be certain exceptions to what would happen, but there isn't a world. And, you know, what really pisses me off about this is that the greed of these North American owners, because you guys just got. Australia for free. And guess what? That's been a huge boon to the <clears throat> league to not have. And I, I was in favor of that because the alternative was that these oceanic players just get trapped in OPL forever, never get a shot on the big stage, even if their skill is is good enough for it, because they, they're competing with imports from Europe and China and Korea. And that's not reasonable because they don't have the chance to foster their talent by sitting in Australia on a zillion ping to any good server. So I was in favor of that, like rescuing these players players from this region and indeed we've had fbi is an outstanding example of a player who is a top tier player in his role in lcs and deserved that opportunity right fudge Mm -hmm. jury's still out on that but we also see players like destiny coming over so there's there's many of these there's many of these players that i think are are making a big difference and i think this is a good thing overall for the lcs but don't don't get a free region and then come back to the table like a pig at the trough and start trying to get everything else on top of that can't you guys just like let this one roll for a little bit you already got a win here right
3: this was a this was another misstep in my opinion though because while i'm obviously happy to be able to adopt all these players in um i I feel like again we we didn't pick a side uh ultimately we just like tried to do this weird like how do we do this without like actually full consideration for the big picture I, i don't know why this wasn't the moment if we're going to, like, try to make incremental growth. Instead, like, obviously, I, I'm i of the opinion. I'll give you my hot take and a bit of what, like, I think a, the best solution we could probably come up with would be right now. But why why didn't we just hit all minor regions with this right now and say yes. no minor region player is an import yeah. anywhere? I, I don't we know why it's like, an NA conversation. I agree. Everyone I, except, I, I except I get the, the four major regions, regions,
2: logically, should have been counted in. Like, why should a player from Turkey not be counted in this? Yeah, cool, like.
0: Yeah. And in what, fact, like, what's just, magical
2: about being from Australia?
0: Yeah. You know? And just have those players declare which major region they're eligible for. It, mm-hmm. You, As a Brazilian player, you got one shot. You pick North America, you pick Europe, you know, probably not going to pick China or Korea. But, you know, maybe if you're ethnically from yep. those backgrounds and, and living and speak the language and live in Brazil, maybe you would pick those those regions. But at least give them mm-hmm. a shot because uh, now... To be fair, CB Lowell in Brazil is doing extremely well in terms of viewership, but I would imagine most mm-hmm. of those players have higher ambitions than playing in CB Lowell for their entire career.
3: Um, oh, yeah. the second they hear the average salary in NA, they're like,
0: hmm. <laughs> <laughs> "All right, yeah." I think I think those players should be unlocked to get into the big regions, and I I mean a lot of this conversation is going to be about has Riot done a very good job of organizing regional scenes and getting grassroots commitment? Yes. They have like objectively. And if you even recently look at how LFL is doing in France, I can't believe those numbers that they're getting for the French League. That's actually insane to me. Um, But if you look at that, they've done a good job. And I understand that, you know, they want to foster that growth. But the time is now and I'll get into my thoughts on creating a, a new Super League with no region locking later in the show. Um, but the time is now to like, allow these players to actually have growth and have there be a system of progression that feeds from the bottom because the viewership is good in many of these leagues, even, even the, uh, the kind of minor regions like Turkey or Brazil or France or, or these other things. The smaller ones have good viewership already. So we know that people are willing to watch these leagues, and I think we should be able to have an appreciable level of growth for the players themselves because really it's the players who are getting punished. In this from the minor regions and that sucks
3: mm-hmm. I mean uh, if there's anyone who who can advocate for this it's gonna be me I brought newbie over Leandro it's actually really unfortunate that I have to be kind of hypercritical of him all the time because obviously he's absorbing one of our import slots uh, and with how we're structured and where he's coming from that doesn't really line up and, and if I'm being honest this was us even last year, advocating saying we're bringing closer an FBI from minor regions, and everybody unanimously was saying, obviously we're going to be tenth place. Waste of an These players slot. are not, yeah, of It's a waste of an import slot. These guys are not going to stack up. Yes, uh, and I think the 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 pressure they were under was was unfair. They should have had an opportunity to come over here, transition appropriately, and be here uh, as residents say they select North America North America because they hadn't played L- LEC, LCK, or LPL. Um, but again, we we just we weren't we weren't thoughtful enough. We weren't thinking ahead enough. Um, And we've now made another change that ultimately clearly hasn't ended up pleasing everybody fully. And we're back at the table saying, let's talk about fixing it again.
2: one thing i have an issue with though is like I, I basically i understand the whole debate of like we can get into like you know owners definitely obviously played a part in inflating the salaries they've done a lot of stupid things with the with that what they pushed for with the residency thing and the grandfathering in which again was just poorly executed and quite frankly clearly was not philosophically outlined before you did it you just decided in well we've changed of, it to, to be off. clear
3: yes yeah, we changed changed did many it times. we brought some over originally and then we we added a path to naturalization that took time, and it was not long. It was like two out of four. It's like two out of four years. And then at the end of like the two years, everyone was like, "Oh, there was some like crazy stuff going on with like the amount of Koreans yes. that went to, to LPL. Uh, lots of chaos around that. So we shifted the goalposts again. We said, okay, you know what? It's like I, I don't know. It was like eight out of twelve splits or something. So like four out of six years or something. And then we got to the four year mark, and we did it again. And we're like, oh no. Oh, they're all leaving again. They're going somewhere. So like every time there's a region that's like really worried, I would assume historically this is probably LCK. And we shift the goalposts again and say, you know what? No more time-based. It's strictly permanent residency. Now it's green cards. And by the way, when I heard that, I was already uh, a little bit skeptical because at the time, no one had really been able to get green cards in North America. Obviously, we're at the point now where it's a bit more approachable, so that's okay. But I was like trying to live in the reality, trying to like think about how I do my job when the competition is for example china who presumably is a little bit more in tune with their government or like in my opinion it's probably easier for them to be in tune that's nice if way the, government, if the government decided they really wanted to support lpl is is it not very easy for china to just like hand out green cards because like that's what i'm doing right when i when i appeal to uh uscis when I appeal to the United States government for a green card, it's it's that's their authority to decide whether a player is or isn't like tenured enough, successful enough. It's like some amount of subjective on their end. Uh, but obviously I'm just shouting into the void, hoping that my government is responsive. Whereas I imagine on their end, if they really wanted to, when the, you know Chinese billionaires, if they wouldn't say, hey, I want to bring over this Korean player. Can I get him a green card? He's a resident, I can bring another one. I can bring another one. I can bring another one. I'm always concerned. I always have to plan for the reality. We're like that's just on the table <laughs> and that's well, yeah, terrifying it,
1: it's, it's it's another it's another reason why again like when when people like reginald and jack are calling for these things understand that china is a country where bureaucracy can be cut through for a fee mm-hmm. not so much in america and, i assume that's and, how worlds happened. <laughs> yeah right so oh yeah exactly so you know and 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 if if we end up with another year like we've had in the year gone past you probably get another big spectacle out there you know um another big tournament now yeah
3: they get a second worlds in a row due to COVID
0: by the (laughs) way by the way why did no one complain about that what what was so outrageous (laughs) to me Dayton was that this is just a complete aside when they announced like oh yeah China's getting another worlds it's like nobody said anything why didn't anybody yeah. say anything? I mean,
3: to, to be fair, uh, I'll be I'll be completely honest, on our end, we're all still reeling from the fact that we're able to put a, an event together in the first place. And as you can tell True. with America right now, we don't have, like, infinite optimism that we're, we would even be able to get it together this year. Um, so right now, I think that's, like, for for us, like, trying to put the cart ahead of the horse. Like, we're just trying to get back in our studio, much less try to, like, figure out what is the six-week uh, road transition that's like riot in their global team so if they come to us and say hey like china is the only thing that's like functional for the next 24 months it's really hard for us to like go do our own due diligence, talk to a whole bunch of venues, figure a whole talk to the US government and be like, "You're wrong. You could have done it at Staples Center. You just sure. didn't try hard enough." Like we're we're just not we're just not going to be there. But to be clear, remember what I just outlined is like a reality we live in now. This has nothing to do with like the what the rules could change to be. If China just felt like being super amenable to the LPL and they decided that like lowering the standard for whatever their green card equivalent is, that just breaks our system and guess where we're at again. We are once again saying we have to change the rules because of like an, an outside force, right?
2: I'll get yeah. anyway, though. What I was going to say was that I'll give like a devil's advocate for like why one of the reasons I understand why owners, especially the top LCS owners, would want no imports, which is if I'm Jack, for example, I won't use Reginald because he hasn't made a good team in about fucking four years, but Jack at least attempts to put together like quality rosters, right? If I'm making a team, why do I, as I'm making my team, go, right, fuck, I've got perks. That's one of the signs of the century. I've got Sven yeah. still. Oh, yeah, and then I have to develop some players, like, why do I have to develop players? Like, does Carlos develop players for G Two? Does do the fanatic guys develop players who got? No, they don't. They just fucking sign the best players. So if I'm Jack, I just go. Why am I playing a different game to these guys? What just because they're in Europe and I'm in North America? Now, we'll say there are a lot of real world like aspects that don't make it as simple as that. Like for example, that is someone like Jack trying to have it both ways. He wants to be in North America and have more money than the European ogs, but then benefit from all the European players. So it's like well. That's that's This is example. This is why I say you have to go philosophically and then the specifics. Because I can get his perspective. Like I know everyone's gonna now claim in Europe. Like oh, what are you talking about, Thorin? The ERLs aside from like Rogue and Mad Lions, who the fuck even has their ERL players in their LEC team? Almost no one. (laughs) Like you aren't developing those talents. And by the way, nobody. Let's just cut the bullshit because there's gonna be a lot of anti-American sentiment. Like unfairly though. Here's one thing I don't want to hear anyone say. Like but Europe, we have collectively developed. We didn't do any of that. You did that because in isolation it made sense for that ERL team to run it made sense for people to demand you had no one did that out of their kindness of their hearts the guys who run the top LFL team didn't go we're basically just doing it so that G2 can have a really good team no nobody did that like that is a fiction and I do not personally believe by the way it is the job of Jack let's say the GM of the top team in NA to develop a North American like nobody's doing that nobody's doing it in Korea and China either maybe in China actually they might be the one place with all the sort of sub teams that they all secretly fucking own they might be the only people who actually develop talent so even though i agree listen it's just the way it is with the north american region you did choose a north american org i sort of can see their perspective on that even though i don't necessarily agree
1: well i think it depends what we what we mean when we're talking about developing talent and whether or not then you have an obligation to do it for me one of the big problems that's been going on in north american league of legends For as long as I've been following it and then, you know, took a back seat and just been watching it from afar while I concentrate on other esports, but find myself coming back and it's the same old shit. And that is that, yeah, you're you're right, Duncan, you know, in terms of from a national perspective. Yeah, you're not obliged to develop talent just for the sake of developing American talent so we can say America's a strong region. But what you do have an obligation to do is to develop talent for your own business. And mm-hmm. one of the things that has always <clears throat> blown my mind about League of Legends is it was one of the first esports to get really sophisticated with shit like die- every house had a fucking dietitian. Every ha- you know, a sports True. psychologist, yes. all of this stuff. What have you done with all of that? You've just pissed money up against the wall. That's what you've done because there's no appreciable result. I have seen coaches in the LCS that behave like fucking tyrants with their players. And what for? And I've seen players get burned out by 24 years old because actually they would much rather they were streaming more to meet sponsor obligations than actually training in a way that has any level of sophistication to it. I, I, I think the problem in the North American region isn't that there isn't talent there. It's that nobody really knows how to harness it and to develop it in a way where you will see an appreciable progress. And so what they've done is, rather than get involved with that, it's like they've gone to riot and said, how can we break the rules about imports? How can we grandfather people in quicker? They have thought about every fucking problem, except the one that is right in front of their face. What does a League of Legends Training Academy actually achieve? And the reality is in North America,
0: folk all. So there's there's several layers to this which I find interesting and it's important to know that they are playing with a, a like a, a weaker deck as it were because mm-hmm. their the North American server is significantly smaller than other servers and to give you an idea like Vietnam server is bigger than the North American server for League of Legends. And on top of that It's a small server and the percentage makes perfect sense. Vietnam won a a war against North America. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Seems (laughs) how it should be.
1: No, they are ahead. They are ahead. ahead. Um,
0: But also the percentage of people who play ranked in North America is low compared to other servers as well. So, for example, you know, my data is a few years old and I've used this many times, but the Korean server is bigger than the North American server. 40% 40% of Korean players play ranked. It's 20% of North American players. So you're dealing with a server that is much larger, where also a much bigger percentage of people are competitive on the ladder. And what that means is that the pool mm-hmm. of competitive players in America is actually tiny compared to other regions. So the level of competition is very difficult to get high enough. Now, that doesn't excuse things because I brought this up before too. If you want to run an academy system with your players, almost no teams send them to Korea or China to train in that solo queue environment. Right. There are teams we that could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm just saying like there are, and obviously that's not possible right now to a greater or lesser degree. Uh, you could send people to Korea. They just have to quarantine for two weeks. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that there isn't a system where this training is good. And if I'm one of the North American Teams, I would be advocating right now to move all academy teams to Korea so that they would have better training. And you could just cast those games remotely from America. They would just be played in Korea, right? There's no problem with doing that per se. And so I think it's been a failure of sending players to the regions where they can improve. A lot of the time, because the North American server is definitely not a place for improvement. I think we could oh, universally agree but on
1: let's, that. Yeah, but let's also let's also talk about the coaching deficit in League of Legends. Oh, sure. Right? Like, you guys know more about Korea than I do. Okay, but. I know from my tenure in eSports how seriously they take it out there and how hard it is to become a coach in South Korea, how closely your credentials will be scrutinised. And also that they do expect some sort of results. Do you remember when North America first started deciding, yeah, we do need some coaches up in this pitch? They would literally (laughs) go to the players and go... Who do you think should be your coach then? And they go, oh, some washed-up cunt from two years ago. How about that? And they go, yeah, brilliant. That's perfect.
3: You're giving them too much credit, honestly. Most of them just said, like, oh, we have, like, that analyst guy that, like, punches the spreadsheets with, like, our draft info from, like, every scrim game. Yeah, that guy can go on stage with us. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and not not even to mention, you know, like let's just also name drop this person. Anybody who has been taken in by Weldon Weldon's fucking snake oil at any point <laughs> is an instant moron to me. Like, I'll, to be fair, I was the, I was the first for one. Your house, I
0: was the first one. Well, <laughs> everyone gets one, money Everyone gets
1: one. You know, I'll actually, let you on.
3: wait, when you're talking about like the the quality of the teams back then, funny enough, Weldon was not a well, it wasn't a mismatch for like where we were at standard wise. I just think we outgrew, we outpaced that very, very quickly and just didn't recognize it at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, but this is a guy who turns up and says, like, oh, you know, have you thought about not shouting at each other? You thought about having some caffeine before a game? Yep, great, brilliant. Like I said, he was
3: the adult in the room. Like, to be clear, we were kids.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know, but, but... The 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 reality is that's what that's what I mean when I'm talking about a deficit. Like even you talk to actual sports coaches that care about excellence, not some swimming coach who identified a fucking grift um, with his bullshit degree from a Finnish university. When you start talking to actual qualified people, you realise the problems we've got in North America. There is a developmental deficit that they're not taking seriously, and the people who should be taking it seriously because it's your business, the owners. They, they they, don't because they do believe they make so much money for Riot that if they mm-hmm. have a, yet another public tantrum, Riot will capitulate. And, so we and, just... And yeah and that, that's an ongoing issue in the league by the yeah. way just
2: for context in case people didn't follow like League of Legends history Korma was the coach of SK Telecom and winning worlds in the domestic league two years before Weldon Green came on the fucking scene into LCS <laughs> that's how far back like yeah. I think two years after Korea's already winning with all their staff people were like holy shit this guy can talk to our play. get him in here he is the magic man we will all dance to his <laughs> tune like even though as Richard says like yeah the stuff he was saying worked because it was the most basic bit shit in the world like the the real problem with Weldon Green is this. It's not him specifically. It's what he represents, which is it's people not doing their due diligence and yeah. going right. So there's a yeah. field called sports psychology in his case, sports psychology trainer. And let's see who the best is in it. And what, what no, instead they just went, wow, such a thing exists, what will they think of next? Hiring, he must be the best. And the joke is, everyone hired him. I used to say this back then because all those pro players would go, but Thorne, you're not being fair. Look, this team had a lot of success. I was like, he worked for all the teams, you
1: idiot. Logically, he worked oh. for the ones I yeah. lost yeah. as well. That can't you be the if, if you <laughs> ever want to <laughs> analyse Weldon Green's career intelligently, you just watch the Simpsons monorail episode. He's that guy. And that's it. He's the guy going from town to town selling them monorails they don't fucking need. Like, and then he, I'm off to my next team see
3: ya. yeah i can Walking actually up. funny Clifiest. enough i can i feel like i can actually uh, lend, lend some insight on this when it comes to kind of how that stuff happens because obviously he wasn't the only one this was like a recurring issue that we were facing across teams um I, I think one of the problems we had early on was uh we don't have like the hierarchical structures built in with like the understood respect obviously we don't have especially age and experience on our side um, like League of Legends itself is also like so, like really, really new compared to even like Counter Strike and StarCraft. Yeah, of course. So when we started like trying to build up these systems, um, they were easily abused on the idea that like just finding someone who had like vague credentials but liked the game, that was like the compromise you could make. Because remember, a lot of these teams were still effectively being operated by the players. Yes. And so you had to get someone who really appealed to the players, someone who the players could talk to and like they would be like, yeah, even though that person's a boomer. Um, th- they understand the game. or at least like they watched the game enough versus like the investor groups or the people who were trying to do high level decision making but didn't have the power yet. um were, were were they weren't even able to talk about the game. And that was really hard to just like lend those people respect to allow them to make like decisions around correct due diligence. So we ended up hiring a whole bunch of people who like had some amount of like they just happened to go to college and had like some psychology background. They had some something that vaguely asserted an accolade in the space. Uh, And then they could also talk about like what fucking nars q is called or something and that was like literally all it took a lot of times for players to be bought in and be like yes, yes. yeah i trust this person endlessly and obviously all those players are gone now but all those spaces remain that's that's the problem like those people don't get rotated out because they are like that that first that they're the, the initial wave
2: i actually think by the way this is a complete aside but i'll just throw it out there because i think it's something people don't consider this is one of the points i always make on my shows i said on listen local and crackdown i always make it when i'm t- or in North Americans. Because obviously we're always doing the contrast of like, oh, problem solving in teams. Because there's a very weird thing happens in League of Legends where the European players, essentially most of their teams, they sort of like fight amongst each other as players if they have a problem. But in doing mm-hmm. so, it's like Lord of the Flies. Like Eventually you get a fucking pecking order and you know who's in charge and whoever says what goes, goes. And eventually there's not an argument, right? It might not be the best system. It's just a system that naturally happens. In North America, the vibe tends to be more like the reason all the discussion has to go through this coach who acts as a proxy for the conversation conversation is because the implication is the superstar player, his ego's going to get hurt if this rookie tells him what you did wrong. Like, that can't happen. Well, that makes me immediately think this is pure speculation, obviously I've never lived there in long term, that there's a way North Americans have a real issue in esports, which is the people who are coming into esports don't seem to have any connection to, like, sports culture traditionally, mm-hmm. because if they did, these wouldn't be alien concepts to them. Like, they wouldn't be able to get to age 20 if they'd been, like, in peewee fucking football and playing hockey and being in a basketball. Ball team in high school, you couldn't get to age 20 and go, Who the fuck's this guy? Is he better than me at the game? He can't tell me. Like, that's some mad take. Like, that's the take of the guy who he he saw high school out of a fucking vent of a locker. Like, that ain't a guy who's a fucking sportsman, mate. So, as a result, I think that's a real cultural issue you have. Because, as you say, David, like, the real hack is this Koreans aren't genetically better at video games, they just have. It just so happens they sort of out into a sweet spot in culture where they've Mm -hmm. retained enough of the sort of conservative values that make people have to do certain things that, like, essentially they just have, like, an old-school connection to their heritage that just doesn't exist in the modern day.
3: Yep. Well, and I'm kind of curious, like, pivoting the conversation a little bit towards what we're doing now, if you guys haven't been tuned in super closely, um, I think every single LCS team, all 10, changed their coach, their head coach, in the last two years. Like, all 10. Do you feel like what we're seeing this year, or even last year a little bit, um, is like that much progress overall? Like, are we are we closing the gap? Do you feel?
2: Not really. What was him?
3: Like, I... like, look at it this way. For example, Bjergsen retires, obviously, from from TSM um, after winning a championship, and ultimately the solution ends up being like, I guess he's just going to be the head coach of TSM now, right? Is that like? I don't know. Like I follow traditional sports, that's not like historically that, that how things work. Yeah, that situation. <laughs> like LeBron just retires tomorrow, and he's and now and, coaching and the and Lakers. Listen, I'll give you credit.
2: If anyone was ever going to be the fucking Jerry Jones of the LCS, it would obviously be Reginald. So I'll give him credit on that one. There's other 80 boomers out there making some mad moves as well that don't make sense. You know, no, that's basically Bjergsen is Jason Garrett. So we'll see how this plays out. For him. I mean,
1: you get into a ridiculous situation though, as well. I mean, that's like a, probably a topic that will come up at another time. But I mean, imagine imagine a coach coming in, working with players. First of all, you've already got this legendary tenure within the organization. Second of all, you're already a, a co-owner of the organization. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, there has to be, in all great sports setups, it can't just be the coach's idea that comes Mm -hmm. down and you follow it blindingly, you know, uh, allegiance because this person wields a title. Equally... A coach has to have some authority, or players will run a mark, and they will. You know, it's a balancing act. You look there; that's completely out of whack. Who's going to pipe up and say, "Actually, I don't think this is a good idea," or, or maybe push back a little bit in a training session and say, "Well, well when we did this, it worked." Who's going to say that to and He's a corner. He just says, "Right, okay, duly noted." Next time he's having cocktails with Reggie in the hot tub, he fucking tells him, "Like, yeah, fire that gun." See ya. Of course. No, yeah. no, I'm I'm fucking Bjorkson. No one fucking undermines me. So that's a nightmare situation from the get-go and also i've heard
2: when bjergsen held his first like little team meeting like the, the nightmare was it took 45 minutes till the applause could stop richard because no one wanted to be the
1: first one to stop <laughs> yeah, yeah no, exactly exactly so uh, that that's that, that's a situation i mean for me though if americans wanted to pay attention to like you know kind of uh, uh someone who was developed into a coach that that from being a player and not a particularly amazing player and has gone on achieve excellent in, in coaching. You look at your, uh, your motor cannon, you know, he's a guy that like, you look at his career path trajectory and the fact that he's gone as a Western coach to a Korean organization, these things can be achieved. As I said, I think, I think the deficit in North America, it's not so much about players as It's about coaches and trainers and it's good. They're trying to identify that and, and the and, and the moving pieces around. But if you're still locked in this idea where someone like Bjergsen could just walk into coaching one of the top teams in the region, you haven't really thought about the problem intelligently I've at got all. A, I've, gonna
2: oh, sorry. Well, I've got a question, mind,
3: actually. Also, well, like quadrupling their investment. Like, d- d- l- let's not forget that this wasn't just, like, they gave Bjergsen what they'd been doing. They, like, gave Bjergsen their, their league div- division effectively and then also that i'm aware of or at least my expectation assuming we get to find out someday is that they're probably spending like four or five times more than they've ever spent before which seems like a weird weird angle on it's like your it's your first year let's go spend all of it
2: What I want to ask was this, right? Obviously, another way that you can approach these things is you can also do it financially, not just like arbitrary rules. So what I want to know is this. What about if we went the other way and it was like you're allowed imports or more imports? Maybe it's not maybe you don't just make it like all imports, maybe you have three imports now or whatever, but instead <laughs> you make some sort of a factor, like a business related factor, where it's like if you are a North American org, for example, who runs an all five NAO player lineup, or you have less imports, maybe you get like a could be the equivalent of like a fucking franchise fee credit where you don't pay as much or you pay slow or you actually maybe even get extra percentage of the earnings or something. What would you think of something like that? I'm asking from like the org side. Would that even be something people would be open to? I'm trying to make it like a compromise where it's like, you're incentivized not to. So basically, yeah, the idea for me would be if you're a small org, maybe that's how you just make money. Like you you don't have to spend as much and you get a little kickback for not going all Korean or whatever.
3: Well, let me let me stress one thing really quickly. Um, I don't think there are smaller big orgs in the league right now. I think True. on the outside it looks like that based on the yes. decisions some people make. But functionally, I would feel I, I feel genuinely like the skew is pretty even across the board. Um, so most people like the decisions that everyone made, like Liquid made. Effectively, every team could be making those decisions if they wanted to. A lot of them, I would say, are just like electing not to. Um, but specifically around trying to build like systems trying to like do some fancy architecture in the rules um to to make this feel a little bit better it's theoretically plausible um i'm sure there's some of this stuff on the table at the owners meetings but uh, i will say one of the challenges there of course is that there are uh, legal ramifications for the decisions you make around this kind of stuff there are just some structures that are just blocked away like you can't do uh without a cba without a collective bargaining agreement and obviously you can't do that without a with an actual proper players union Um, And and in my opinion, we're still like a a far cry away from that being the reality. So anything that we do probably isn't going to be enough because of how uh, how tight our hands are on a lot of this stuff. So this is where, again, I feel really bad in that we're trying to why are we trying to find a middle ground? Why are we not picking a side? I'll give you my hot take now Um, if it, it and this is if we're not going to open up importing. Um, if we are if we look at it and say, like, you know, the other regions aren't on board um, or like we can't get the exception for, for NA if that's a thing that's being asked for or something. If we can't do that, I honestly think uh, we should go the other direction. We're never going to, but it'd be fantastic if we just unrolled it and said, look, we really care about our identity. It's really important. We're going to be super protective of it. We're going to go back and say... It's two imports, that's what you get, and we're gonna take away the grandfathered. We're gonna kill that. Yes. We're gonna go back and take away yes. the status. We screwed up, we shouldn't have been moving the goalposts. We shouldn't have allowed it in the first place. This like, path, path to naturalization was already like a challenge for us to, to maintain and manage. And at this point, it's already kind of broken the system. Um, I think the struggle is that's not it's going to happen. It's the
2: approach, right? Yeah. Well, like, especially because
3: you're you, dealing with- You do that over time, amortize it over time, and say like, you know, in three years, Santorin's no longer a resident, right? In three years, Bjergsen's no longer a resident. And maybe that gets us to where we think we should have been, right? Where we're like we're trying to be like super pure on understanding what we're trying to do as a league. But right now we're just not on the same page. And that's a huge struggle for us. It's like we have to decide. But but I have a caveat for this. If we do this, we have to set our expectations differently. We can't sit here and say that we need to be winning worlds consistently like yeah maybe we can hit a home run in like the next five years maybe one team will make a c9 C9-esque run like what our our c9 looked like last spring but i don't think we're going to hit like lpl or lck level of of presence we're not going to have two teams in finals we're maybe not even going to get two teams out of groups but maybe one team wins worlds and if that's okay if that's the expectation we set then we should do that but if we're going to sit here and like constantly be like the only thing that matters is na has to win and like do you think they're going to be happy with one no like we're going to definitely say we're like an, ins- an insanely valuable region. We have the most valuable eyeballs. We have the most resources functionally right now for how we're operating, or at least we're spending the most. If that's the case, like we need to win multiple. If they're going to keep the expectation at we need to win like two out of the next five or three out of the next five world championships, obviously the literal only pathway, in my opinion, to do that in this short term is to is to undo the restrictions completely.
0: Well, I also completely agree with you about undoing the the grandfather clauses and the residency clauses because as we've stated each region has a fucking different government so it's not even yeah. fair as it is right mm-hmm. uh, you know those regions that have been more successful about uh, being able to petition the government to give green cards or permanent residency status are going to have an advantage when it comes to importing players. So Mm -hmm. I think the combination, what you're talking about, of rolling back those rules, and then on top of that, you allow the minor regions to declare a residency status. If you do those two things together, that would be ideal for me.
3: Yeah. But to be clear, again, that is us conceding that our region's goal is not to win worlds the next like three out of five. That's just us stabilizing. I mean, That's if all you it is. if
0: you if your goal was to win worlds, you never should have bought an NA franchise. So I don't have a problem with that. Like
3: Well th- to be clear, I mean, is that not what is going on right now? I think a lot like, isn't that the owner saying, I wish I didn't buy a franchise <laughs> because I want to be winning worlds and I'm now realizing I'm now finding out, I'm now pathing out the scenarios and saying I it, it, think it's,
2: like, it's more like everyone's <laughs> playing Monopoly and Reggie and Jack know the banker and they're like, can't you just, you know, slip me a couple of <laughs> yeah, them <exactly>. You know, <laughs> change the rules. You <laughs> know, I don't have to go to jail every time I pass it. Or, oh, on,
1: look, know, it old mates. It, it, it comes down to the same problem with, uh, you know, the mindset between, again, the different regions and what we think of when we think about sports owners and sports GMs. and 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 managers and basically in, in in america you know they everyone wants to do it on what a european would consider easy mode you know in in our leagues you know the big leagues where you would own a club we have relegations you can invest your money shoot for the stars fuck it up through either incompetence bad luck and you can lose everything i'll give you an example from english football uh leeds classic example portsmouth another one these are leeds is probably the best they went from being in the champions league the big european competition Probably the equivalent of worlds, if you think about it like yep. League of Legends. They made it to like the last four, got knocked out by like Real Madrid or whatever. And then, you know, slowly but surely they sold great players off. They had money to spend. And when they went to buy other players or they trusted in youth development, it wasn't there. And the next thing you know, within a few years they're relegated and then they're relegated again. And now suddenly, you know, it's took them all this time to get back into the premier league that's how we do things in europe There should be consequences for ineptitude that's what we believe that's what Mm -hmm. our culture is you come over to american sports they just go well listen yeah can we just all agree Let's uh, let's not get relegated. In fact, the only place I've ever seen America sort of socialize things is in fucking sports. You won't even do it for healthcare, care, but a tide, <laughs> a billionaire. NFL exactly. Owner you see, to, like, Richard, pay the we, price we have to we have
0: to protect the billionaire sports teams from failure. That is how it works here. That, it's socialism for billionaires, right?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. So you know, so and you're like, oh yeah, well, look, that guy's finishing last, and they had a tough season, so we should give him the best players, so we should do this. But that that person earned less money. Should we let them pay less for their health care now? Fuck off. He can die in the fucking streets. But you know, as long as the sports work. So one of the things I've noticed in esports, just as a trend, when all these North Americans got all that VC money and started being able to live out their sports ball fantasies, they've all acted like the same dickheads without ever thinking for for a minute. Esports doesn't have to do your thing. It doesn't all have to be franchise leagues. But again, constant tantrums. They've got the money. They've got the influence. They've got the power. Like, And, and this is what you end up with. So I, I honestly, like I say, I I think the problem you've got with North American esports, and in particular North American League of Legends, is there's a cultural like rot that starts at the top. There is an expectation of excellence without any of the apparatus to Correct. achieve it. There is, there is a belief that any problem we get we'll either spend our way out of it and if that doesn't work we'll just go to the games developer and our business partners and say change the rules so we don't have we've tried spending we're all out of ideas it's like no do you want to build real academies do you want to improve coaching do you want to do recruitment drives at collegiate esports like think of something but they don't they Mm -hmm. right we tried spending it and we're all out of ideas and and until you move away from that It's going to be like this forever in in that region.
0: What's also funny, Richard, is that there's this arrogance and expectation that the best players should come to LCS, right? But objectively, the viewership of LCS is the lowest of any of the four major regions by a significant margin. LEC is now attracting about double the average concurrent viewers across all languages. And yes, guys, before you tweet at me, this includes LCS co-streamers. Uh, you know, Es charts. You look at the data, and LCS is half of LEC viewership. LCK yeah. and LPL much bigger viewership. So why exactly? Explain to me why we should be trying to entice the the best players to play in a low viewership region compared to the other three major regions, right? There's CBLOL is now competing with LCS in terms of viewership, right? Yeah. Should tell you something. So, like, I agree that it's just this arrogance of expectation that is not founded in any kind of historic excellence, reality Mm -hmm. of the size of the audience, any of these things. And I say this as somebody who actually, you know, sometimes enjoys watching LCS. Right. So people Mm -hmm. have their own preferences, but that's not that's not fair to the real picture here. Like, objectively, you know, LPL is absolutely enormous when it comes to viewership probably some of I that is lies think, though, by the chinese government like, or the chinese streaming basically, services but yeah the
2: whole expectation I also think, is massively accelerated just by what Fnatic and G2's teams did the last three years, yep. basically. Yeah. Like, that's the real problem as well, is if I go back to that scenario I gave before, if I'm Jack comparing myself to Carlos, it's like, mate, his team can win worlds. That's not even a joke. Like, no. that's not yeah. even like, maybe if the best he actually could have, it probably should have happened that year, you know, they were that good. The problem yeah. is, even the best team anyone's ever had from Team Liquid, TSM, Cloud, like, their scenario was probably Semis was the best, you know. So the problem is, yeah. whether or not it makes any financial sense, the fan who was a fan of European owner they're not gonna consider these things. It's one of the things I spent half my time on our shows doing. I try to explain that like it's not reasonable to like laugh at fucking SK gaming for finishing ninth if the team that finishes first spent five times more than them. Like you have to make the expectations according and appropriate to what the you know what the resources are. Like maybe the guy who's the GM of SK did a better job than yeah, all of us. But I he what, killed go- it, you know
1: what you know, remember what goes around comes around as well. Like if I was Carlos I'd be loving this right now. Like he oh, must be he must be tumescent because people seem to forget remember when it was um sven and mithy right at g2 and you know you have to sell those players because the big north american orgs have come in with their spending power and they're waving sure. their dick around and, <laughs> and now you've got to fall in line you're the little region we're the big boys who the fuck's laughing now carlos is taking teams to worlds and actually challenging real teams while you're going oh and six and fucking crying about it <laughs> money <laughs> money does not solve all your problems get with the fucking program
3: i do wish Maybe, the way, whole- hey, oh sorry wait, go on. I was just say I, I do wish we had an LEC GM in here. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear about like where they feel like they're at relative to obviously uh, the LCS with respect to like all these kinds of things because sure. we keep pointing out G2 and Fnatic but we can barely name the rest of the league because they've been doing like sac- sacrificial rituals uh, to to the world's gods just trying to do everything they can to prop up their two teams to like continue to maintain their relevance. But like imagine how like devastating that region ends up looking. If either of those two teams have like a, a like a real blundered uh real blundered attempt yes. here, right? Like yes. just say just say they struggle. We're the liars
0: M- for M- sure. Those
3: world. two teams, yeah. We're going to be talking about how LEC just doesn't exist con- conceptually. Yes. Because of the moves that happened and, and how everything's gone down recently.
2: By the way, uh, if we're gonna bring up though owners having
0: tantrums. Yeah, already. yeah. I was like, about I to say feel it's like time. It's, not be a segue it's here, time. Not, no, I was about to
3: move it. us that way anyway.
0: It's time <laughs> to it's time to have a laugh. This is what you are. Right. Let's be real. Uh, this, this is, this is what you guys are here to watch for. for. So <laughs> you know, the saddest yeah. thing of all, by the way, obviously, like we should not we should actually read
2: out the scenarios, but I will just say it up front. Believe it or not. Reginald's Reginald, mate. I don't expect man. It's actually Jack that I was most disappointed in, out of the two responses. Just because Jack's was so whack. Like, his angle was like he's talking to someone and he goes, Well, you know, we believe we should be allowed to recruit anyone. And they go, Yeah, sure, but, you know, we need North Americans. Like, you know, other people. What do you mean, other people? Like, it was one of those, like, it's getting mad over nothing. Like, no one's even said any harsh shit. Like, so, that. His he, what The major problem he had there was he took a bad angle and he just wouldn't let it go. He just kept. We'll talk about that. Fucking, we'll, we
0: we will talk about that let's yeah, that was that was a let's say an overstated response uh cringing, cringing internally <laughs> yeah he was it was painful all right all right so let's bring up uh the first tweet here um which is going to be Vulcan just innocently tweeting about uh about uh the state of the state of imports because it was a big discussion that many people were talking about uh Vulcan who is definitely a top two support player Come on, keep going within there. this region, says, by the way, could definitely play professionally in Europe. 100%, no doubt. Yeah. If you want a full import team, go buy a team in that region, question mark XD. Reasonable take. Reasonable take. Even as a fucking XD. He's obviously joking, isn't he? It's not like a fucking yeah. manifesto. <laughs> yeah, but also a good point. If you do want yeah, a team full of sure. Koreans, go buy, why didn't you buy an LCK team? Totally reasonable. Andy Din, TSM Reginald, ignorant tweet, if every LCS team left the LCS, you'll be out of a job, buddy, and probably be paid minimum. Here's
2: what's amazing
0: about it: <laughs> Reginald doesn't even understand
2: the concept of optics enough to not su- tweet like a fucking 18th century robber baron who is like approaching a peasant who he will now force to work for him in exchange for throwing a little fucking like pouch of money that he hasn't even counted on the fly. Reginald, you are ridiculous, my man. Just get a PR agent for fuck's sake.
1: There's so <laughs> many. There's so many bad elements to to that tweet. I, I know, mean, what? the fact the fact that he's opening up with ignorant the word ignorant is like just again... A stupefying lack is of word awareness of the you know. <laughs> yeah what what true yeah he does have that calendar doesn't he but uh, you know you know. so he says if every LCS team left the LCS you'd be out of a job so what that actually says is that Reginald believes the LCS has no value without the current crop of teams he doesn't have any faith in the league doesn't have any faith in the system doesn't have any faith in what's, what Riot has built he believes that for, for instance if TSM leaves that league has no value of course what he does Realizes actually riot games they hate dealing with owners like reggie that they have to keep around for legacy purposes and they would much rather be dealing with new money professional overwatch sports organizations, sports, yes. yeah like like who all the people who into the overwatch league so this yes. what happens here's what happens if tsm leave Yes, it takes a bit of a hit. Yes, viewership might be down, but they just reach out to all their investment friends and say, there's a slot that's opened, and it gets filled like and that. And $20 million is nothing is to topic. these
0: these sports teams it either. It nothing.
1: Of course it isn't. So the idea... The <laughs> <an> idea... <laughs> That like T S M is some irreplaceable force within the league and that everyone would be would be destitute if they didn't stay in <laughs> the Shocking, is it? <laughs> abs- it, it, it is it is staggering. And then to say to a player by the way an example of a player that proves that there is talent in north america right which you know so they they can be found Uh, no wonder reggie's targeting him because it makes the makes all the dickheads that have been letting talent slip through their fingers for years look really bad his existence it proves unicorns are real right and so then he goes and you'd probably be paid minimum no you fucking moron (laughs) This is a guy who's so good at the game and is actually probably slumming it in your region. He just goes, well, fuck LCS. I'm off to Europe. I'm off to any region, maybe even China or Korea, and just goes, gets a fat contract out there. He'd be fine. You wouldn't be. You would be replaced (laughs) overnight, Reginald Jamadka.
0: Also, just to say, you know, in my many years of experience across a variety of esports titles with top-tier professional players... These people are incredibly driven. And most of the time, not all of the time, sometimes they are just like mechanical idiots. But most of the time, they're very smart people and they definitely wouldn't be getting paid minimum wage. You think that Vulcan couldn't go to school and get a good job with his work ethic and intelligence? Of course he could. This guy's not going to be flipping burgers at McDonald's. You don't get this far in a career by by being lazy, <laughs> I just love the. Here's the thing, though. It's not even like the actual essence
2: of the message. You know, we can debate whether that's it. It's just the take as well. Like, I'll, I just I'll love fight. the way his See, whole take. I didn't like, even
1: think about it like that, though. Minimum wage, just in real life. I was thinking esports minimum. Oh, <laughs> oh right, who I knows? So, no,
2: no, but who knows? Maybe that's, that's what, what he's about. talking about. Think about how mad this tweet is. Instead of just being like, "Listen, you're a player. You don't maybe you understand the scene like I do. You know, it's a lot more." He just goes, "You ignorant parasite on my ass." <laughs> <laughs> Reggie you better have this fucking nailed down mate, or this could go badly I don't know if you're aware Reginald I know you aren't mate but players are more popular than you are like I know you're not about I mean you'll know at the end of this year because you'll find out that TSM the team doesn't do it without and mate so I don't know why is it again remember in a world of optics you have to be so careful how you respond to players because people will be against you just because it's a player you know like you could even be right if you just misphrase it and you seem too aggressive you know
3: I mean I disagree. I actually don't think you have to be careful at all. Or at least like so far with how we've we don't handled, have to be, but yeah. with how we've handled a lot of different people in the league sphere. We haven't cared at all what they've said. Sure. Like do you, I don't know if this is gonna have any long lasting implications and this is not the first time and this isn't even like
1: I was getting. I know where you're yeah. going with this. It's not even Reginald's top ten stupidest fucking take. Yeah. It's not even close. This is why I me. Mean, this is why Monty was like, I don't even know if we'll do a show off this, and then like not even <laughs> not Reginald not is, exactly. is the outrageous one here. Although it is crazy how he just has a full mental breakdown after this. Uh, <laughs> okay,
3: so I, I, let me I, let I, me I, let me run interference on this one a little bit and try to come from the team side. Uh, I'd, I I I'd obviously don't agree with this take, but I can definitely lend some understanding of like what would pressure someone to conceivably typed this on their keyboard um the implication here obviously is that if possible all 10 lcs teams are aligned in the idea and again we don't have absolute verification but you can assert it from this that they would go to another region right like if they could just like handpick uh, where their slot was located it would just be somewhere else i think to me what what stands out about this that's concerning is it indicates that like there there's there's some amount of alignment right like this is this is we've already seen like all 10 lcs teams like give their like vague answers their assertions on where they stand and nobody came out and said like i'm uh, i'm against it keep import restrictions we we need to make sure this doesn't happen um and then when when you take those 10 tweets from travis and then you followed up with this to me it indicates yeah like legitimately there's probably some high level concerning conversations going on saying hey like there's a problem we need to be solving for it. now is it really just like something as simple as the import restriction stuff here I-, I would guess not like i can't imagine that's the only thing that would make reggie like go on twitter and say something like this um but it was definitely an indicator if, if genuinely there's concern that like na players or like the na talent pool is so um effectively useless um in achieving our goals that we would just like b- pick up our like 200 million dollar thing and just move it somewhere else if we could right that that to me is like the big implication that i agree that
0: that is actually the most concerning part of this is that you know the these people some of these people seem ready to just like you know pick up their shit and leave if they're not given access to a broader pool of players that's very deeply concerning and also kind of ridiculous well, I, I mean look the, the, there's the broader
1: thing as well like because i mean there is a serious component to it in the sense that i think uh when you have high powerful owners that we know have riots ear for good or for ill basically saying a uh, players publicly um you know if if anything happens to this league if, if if it starts to lose its value we're essentially gonna fuck you over financially i mean there is a little component to that <laughs> Right because he is saying you'll be that one when you say yeah, like that
2: yeah. shit <laughs> yeah
1: you know and, and like obviously we know we know Andy the only reason he was on fucking Twitter in the first place is cuz he saw Lord Jack cartel member getting fucking wrecked because a, a stupid thing he said on social media. Reggie so reminds
2: me of that joke that Bill Maher used to have about fucking George W. Bush, where he said, Look, can you just let Tony Blair do the talking at those like summit meetings and stuff? Yeah. Like you don't need to get up there as all well, mate. He can talk. Like just let I mean the joke here is maybe actually don't let Jack talk for you, under other circumstances he usually does a pretty good job. Yeah, Jack on it, normally does a good know? job. All
0: right, let's let's move over to, to the Jack the Jack Reddit post. Because uh, this to me this was very out of character for Jack, who is normally really, I think, doing i just kept scrolling to... like please why are there more of these why why why
2: someone get the keyboard away from me, please and i'll say that story <laughs>
0: all
3: right hold on Again, let, me, let me pull this up
0: now let me pull this up
3: okay oh, i also added some additional context on discord for you guys if you want to check oh, okay. that out
0: all right all right uh i can't do that because you guys are full screen for your webcams but someone else can chime in can chime in with it so This is this is Jack's response to a fan, because obviously one of the arguments that was made was that people said, well, I wouldn't be interested in the LCS anymore because I like to see homegrown players or I like to see players that have committed to being uh, players in the LCS region. Which makes sense because storylines are a huge part of why people watch esports and, you know, having uh, the entire league change over potentially with the, you know, dropping of the import rule, I think would be detrimental to viewership. (coughs) Unless somebody managed to win like MSI or Worlds, right? Then people will come back because the winning is important. But I think if that doesn't happen, then you basically just kill the league, um, which would be obviously problematic for LCS team owners. So Jack says, I don't agree with your opinion, and that's fine. Your comment, not a bunch of Koreans, is distasteful and would be considered racist by many. I don't support xenophobic or racist comments and would like to see us elevate beyond that type of sentiment, which is... If this if this had been that kind of comment that he was responding to, might be reasonable. But this is just like taking it from like one to ten. I knew I shouldn't have let
2: Jack play that fucking Among Us stream with AOC. I thought it was just harmless games, you know, and no. it's gone too far on it. So... Bro,
1: Like, so let me let me. I, I've got to tee off here because I've got a I, I've got a ton Come of on. material. This, this is this is the reason I oh agree boy. to be a horseman, essentially oh shit like this, oh no. right?
0: Oh God. it
1: is the mo- it is it is ridiculous. So there is so much going on here. I know, right? Right. Right, there is so much going on here. I wanna believe he's playing some five-dimensional chess, right? Because we all know that actually a good way to sort of compel someone around your way of thinking is essentially to fucking gaslight them into thinking that they're a bigot. But let's just rewind and let's 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 take it at face value. So, first of all, the idea that if that in a sport where regionality is pushed as a feature of that sport we all look we don't play the regions we keep them all separated until worlds and then we all play and the whole narrative on a broadcast is can the north americans do it will the chinese overcome the koreans wow chinese in the sense all region will the plucky brazilians have come through the wild card the regionality is a feature of the sport and played upon to generate fan interactions in fact when they've done like all-star tournaments around the world you know remember they've, they've played up on the idea that it's the first time it's come to this country and stuff like this and you're going to get to see these players play so regionality is baked into league of legends and it's a very good thing because it is added to the interest added to the spice of a lot of matches and so then to turn around to a legitimate cloud nine fan and say just because they would prefer it if there were North Americans on the roster. They're not saying they don't want any Koreans on the roster. They're saying they don't want an entire team to be Korean. And then you turn around and go, you fucking racist bastard. <laughs> it's one of the most <laughs> mad things I think I've ever seen. And it Hey, shows... everyone, this guy's racist. Get him. Tear the Cloud 9 jersey it, from his back. Get him. <laughs> it shows how far removed, I think, owners have, well, have become. Jack is in a fucking mansion... Looking at a spreadsheet, he has become so divorced from actual on-the-ground fans, on-the-ground sports, that he's forgotten why regionality matters to these people.
2: So, obviously, with the Spitfire purchase, plays into the whole aviator <laughs> thing actually.
1: like that? You like that? You like that? Uh, don't get me wrong, I've got another two points <laughs> to make right, on this. Right, I but do, I but do. No, 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 I, I don't want all to talk about it for all 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 a long period so, of time. So, I'll so
0: what, what I will say about that is, like, I... Th- you know, obviously this is an overreaction, but I think also people generally are pretty keyed into these tactics. I think like several years ago, this tactic might have been successful, but I think for the most part, most people are pretty like the whole like you're a bigot because you said something that is not really bigoted is is overplayed at this point, And most people can recognize that tactic. But what's wild to me about this take in the first place is I think nobody's had this perspective yet. How many of these fans that he's talking to do you think are like anime or k-pop or like Asian adjacent interest fans? like fifty percent, sixty percent, eighty percent of? yeah. yeah. Totally. so like wait, w- this audience that we know in eSports has a passion they for... in the game that like they're not racist. <laughs> yeah, they awesome have a, they man. have a passion like, for Asian Yeah, Asian <laughs> cultural <laughs> products. Look at Team Liquid selling out this Naruto line in like 5 minutes, right? So if anything, these people already are 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 pretty open to accepting Asian imported culture and enjoying that level of entertainment. So I think it's even more absurd to call out this audience where the majority of people already have these interests. And so in a way, it's, it's speaking to, to something where they're, I think it's interesting because they're willing to take these other interests and they say, maybe this is not what I want out of this product, especially because they can always go watch. Korean teams and Chinese teams and other leagues. It's not like it's an either or. You can do both things at the same time. You can enjoy them for different reasons. So I think it's just wild to even make this accusation against this audience.
2: Also, look at the context of the team. I'm not talking, like, the league. Cow nine specifically are a team that came up with five North American players, became very good in the world, had one of the longest-lasting lineups ever, then, in the modern day, have some of the best North American players and brought through some of the best North American players. I mean, the guy... Jack was practically signing Sneaky for extra years just because people were like, the fans really do like him, though. like so He wasn't fucking a world-class player. They just thought, fuck... Gotta give them what they want. So then, after all that, be go, You guys, like North Americans, what are you racist like? <laughs> Especially, <laughs> what <are> you, can't <laughs> you pretend history never
1: happened? Well, what I'll, I'll tell you, Duncan. Right? There's, there's. will I'll, I'll tell you about something that would make Jack's blood pressure shoot through the roof. Because there's one of the most racist sports rules ever in English football. Right? And that is, we have something literally called the homegrown player rule. And what this says is that on a registered squad of 25, you can only have 17 players that aren't considered non-homegrown. A homegrown player is someone that's lived in the country and been developed by a club for three years. And they're even talking about making it a bit more, they have to be an English national. There's a lot of debate about that because I'll explain why. So it, it comes down to, again, sports structure. England has a football team. If it doesn't develop talent, it will never win a tournament. The FA, the English Football Association, don't like that very much. That should be the jewel in the crown. But how can we guarantee all of the clubs playing at the top tier of English football actually develop talent? We just simply mandate that they have to. And otherwise, what you would end up with is, again, the haves and the have-nots. Everything we just talked about at the start of the show, they would literally just go out and be like, right, well, I'll get that player from that youth academy in France that play yes. from that youth academy and that African team, you know, and they would they would jump all around the world and just bring them in. And what would happen is the, the the development of English talent would stall and suffer because there's no obligation as a club to do it. Everyone loves the club. Every any player that pulls on the jersey is all right by me. Say the fans, and they don't think too much about it. But there is this regional context that ha, someone has to be the adults are in the room and say. Probably, this is a good thing if English teams actually do develop a smidgen of English talent. And you'll notice from the numbers, not even the majority. That was a rule that was brought in because we were start we had a golden generation of players massively underachieved and as one by one they retired yes. the football association were going fucking hell no one's even close to these players we've got to do something about it so it turns out that the entire structure of english football right now is one big racist circle jerk is it jack that's what we're all doing like we're going to be fucking goose stepping around i mean like right? grow the fuck up mate <laughs> like you have to you have to understand that like if, if america actually had been a, a in league of legends is now a bit a bit more stalwart on these rules and just having two imports and none of your grandfathered bullshit you might have actually developed a north american player over the past three years and your fans might be cheering on a predominantly north american team and then there'd be no need for silly conversations like this so if it's good enough for real sports it's definitely good enough for cloud nine
0: well i also think you do have to give cloud nine credit and jack credit they actually have developed a lot of the, Mm -hmm. the 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 talent for north america in fact they've been one of if not the most successful teams at developing north american talent and i think jack here like obviously he just like he went overboard i think most of the time he's really good at handling these situations but i mean this is such a like a caricature like surely there is somebody out there who is what he is claiming you know there is somebody who's like racist and is like i don't want that in lcs but how many people those are are there realistically like it's an international competition where people watch multiple regions they're you know most of the fans are exposed constantly to international media uh outside of esports like we talked our about Our region is the
3: most diverse <laughs>
0: yeah our region is incredibly diverse <laughs> right so i mean i it, it, it the, the argument is kind of just ridiculous on its face and also is not even reflective of his own efforts to develop that North American talent, which, you know, so many of the players that are on other teams in the LCS were developed by the Cloud9 Academy system.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and I, and think the, that's, the, I think that's where sorry, the deflecting goes from it, here, right? Quite
1: a bit lately, Sorry. What, what did you say in there? I, told oh, I said,
3: uh, isn't that where the deflecting kind of goes from here? I think it starts to be yes. this weird. This is like a weird pivot. Almost all the owners did in their answers, where they were just like, Let's not talk about imports. Let's talk about how we're supporting amateur and academy development. Let's let's focus on the good things we're doing for the region. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm down to talk about those in like a different forum, but obviously in the context of the import restrictions, ultimately I don't feel like those are really the same topic. All
0: right, yeah. Richard, well, let's I mean... get on with your
3: other points. I want to let's hear Richard, your doing. other yeah. Your well, other no, takes. But just
1: on that point to Denant, what what Denant says there. I mean, go look at go look at TSM's roster. I think across the starting lineup and their academy side i think they have a total including substitutes of three native north americans
3: well actually People do you want to look look he's
1: just I'll, classed as a
3: resident i'll, know, I'll go for it wait actually i'll even give you lower hanging fruit than that and i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure i'm right i actually think for TSM's starting lcs roster zero of their players were born in the U.S. or Canada, I, I actually think Spica was born in China and then he 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 got uh, American crazy. citizenship. Yeah. But if we're yeah. trying to be like super like base level conversation of like we don't at this point, Australians are actually like they're more grandfathered imports than they are residents for what we're talking about. Uh, none of them were technically born here, if we really wanted to argue that.
1: And and I I also realise the peril you enter when you start talking about Native Americans and Americans that are native to America and all that. So we'll just fucking move on. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm European, so I know about things like history, unlike Americans. Anyway.
0: (laughs) what I want yeah, to know we, is we, why are
1: you
2: all wasting time shuffling like fucking deck chairs on the Titanic when this will all just be a giant LPL in five years
1: <laughs> so anyway the final point is just this and it's, it, what, it's, what, so, what need it's something about a broader cultural thing where I'm starting to have a little bit of a, a worry because you know look I think one of the worst things you can do to fans that are gen- genuinely invested in the development of your team genuinely care about the players that get to represent the jersey is essentially turn around and in insult them and not just insult them imply that they are in some way malevolent and it's not the first time i've seen cloud nine engage in this type of behavior lately and it's starting to make me a bit concerned about some of the direction they're going in because remember they they still employ that manager that turned around and said Santorin's a racist because he weared a police skin in 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 a match and so suddenly you start to think like you know where are we going to start drawing the lines about like who you can lash out and when because you've got a fucking bee in your bonnet during COVID lockdown and you're probably a bit too overinvested in your American politics. If Cloud 9 is truly a global organization, they need to start thinking globally. And not everyone is going to be aware of things that are happening on the ground culturally in America, sometimes even if they live there. And also, I think you have to understand that your fans are coming from all over the world. You might you might A much better argument would be if Jack had just turned around and said, because we're a global brand, we think globally. We're trying to move away from regionality. We think that's one of the strengths of esports. But thanks for your input. He's essentially said the same thing. He chose not to. That isn't uh-huh. that isn't a mistake Jack's made. He's deliberately chosen to attack that fan as racist, thinking that there is some sort of cultural capital to be gained from it, and that that causes me a lot of concern about you know what Cloud Nine might be doing in the future. People might not think that's so serious. I I I definitely have some I I take umbrage with that, frankly.
3: Uh, actually, I don't want to take any wind out of your sails, but I do uh, I do want to let you know I I did hear that C Nine let some people go recently, and I th- actually think she was um part of that group she was so she's actually no longer associated with c that i'm aware of
1: but but i mean well, okay but now it. Looks but your point like,
3: still stands your point yeah, still stands. No, now it looks like <laughs> it was
1: nothing to do with it <laughs> it's one of the most disgraceful outbursts i think i've ever seen uh it now looks like well we were just cutting corners or recycling stuff it's been done quietly to the side and ultimately now because jack has said something equally ridiculous there is a tacit endorsement of her behavior essentially so yeah i i i, I think look we've just come out of a very tumultuous time in America I mean I've come out as a, as a myth it's it's America it's been tumultuous since it fucking started since you threw threw us Brits out America thrives on being tumultuous and thrives on the chaos the first it's, it's import
2: the... rule some would say
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed the, the the problem is that ro- the, the media has gone into overdrive with it's like insane screeching and the one thing we shouldn't want to happen is for that type of discourse to become the norm in esports because we can reject all of the stuff from outside of esports, we yes. don't want here, we don't have to accept it. And when you see figureheads like Jack, who by the way, 99% of the time have a fantastic relationship with him, I think he's a great ambassador for the game, but not when he's behaving like that and not when he is essentially um demonizing fans and talking down to fans who would bleed for the Cloud9 cause, they've got some of the most loyal fans in the world. I think that's absolutely outrageous well, and distasteful.
0: I also think that, just in general, I, you know. Esports as a whole is an extremely globalized and welcoming space for the most part compared mm-hmm. to many other industries that exist. And that's one of the things that I've always loved about it was its internationalism and its kind of global spanning community. And I think that's what many people really enjoy about esports. And and so to bring these aspects into it, um, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't have any problems, but I do think to overload on these aspects is is a mistake and and will be received very poorly by most esports fans that consider themselves connoisseurs of global culture as it were yeah. and, and and very he made a massive
1: rod for his back with that one he should have immediately recanted to double down is is ridiculous and i think long term you know look i mean remember in, in esports we have a unique problem uh and it's a good thing and a bad thing it's a blessing and a curse uh people people don't stay loyal to some uh, to uh, a, a team because they were born down the road from it and their dad went there and bought a season ticket like you see in traditional sports you know you pick your team it's like picking your friends right they always say you're born to your family but you pick your friends therefore there's like a extra bit of value well esports fans pick the team they want and it can be based on players it can be based on brand values sure it can be based on region too but they can choose to leave at any point there's not something anchoring them there they you know and and as a result, you will see a lot of movement from fans in general in this business. And when you start putting up cultural barriers like that to people who might just want to support your team but not get drawn into the screeching hysteria of modern America, um, you know, you have to you have to think long term about what that could mean for a global organization, frankly.
2: One area though where I actually also can like devil's advocate somewhat, because I also just agree with it, as a position from the orders is the fans are absolutely feckless on this topic from North America. Yeah, Every single true. year, they complain yeah. that they want all this North American talent and it for it to be developed and all that of it. And then they're not fans of the teams that have the North American talent because what they're actually saying, by the way, had square brackets context in which was, of course I want all the players to be of North America and then be as good as China and Korea. It's like, well, so you watch what? and that's now, it's like that fucking meme where it's like, what, what color unicorn do you want again? It's like that fucking meme. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because the problem yeah. is this, people like Reggie and Jacoby told every year no no develop more north american talents then i'll be a big fan and then everyone's a fan of team liquid cloud 9 tsm with all the fucking imports like people (laughs) uh, they're sending a counter signal to what they actually want so even though i i think in theory people want north american talents the problem is the point where they'd actually be a fan of them because they'd be a good player and win is just too far down the line that like if i can i can see why it drives these owners crazy because it feels like you're being told to do all things simultaneously
3: yeah you're only allowed to do an all north american roster If you're as competitive as G2 like that's 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 like the only allowance given and obviously like no one's done that C9 at their peak last spring was probably the closest we've seen and no one else has even been like on the same fucking planet conceptually Uh, and that's that's the again the mismatched expectations across the board.
1: Yeah, but I mean, let's also just remind everyone, I don't want to sound like a G2 fanboy, but I, I know Carlos quite well. Um, and, and and let's, you know, they had a scout. They didn't have all that spending power back in the day. They they were an up-and-coming organization, especially when they initially rebranded. They didn't get given a bunch of VC money. They got like investment money and they had to give up equity and everything. It was built yes. in a more traditional business, right? So they had to go out and they had to scout players. They had to discover players like Sven, Miffy, you know, some you know all all of all of this stuff going right the way back then and then americans came along and went yeah cheers for scouting those players we'll fucking have that yeah yeah look at us guys we've cracked it aren't we the best and so that g2's had to essentially rebuild itself time and time again you know how they do uh-huh. that good foundations good scouting and and an awareness of less what restrictive coaching
3: rules all well, restricted- well, like, oh, <laughs> right, all right. Lester- I suppose I, will... hey, I I,
1: am a guy that broke that story like twice, and we all know it fucking happened. And I don't care what Carlos says. Carlos. But you know, poaching rules are a little bit silly. Frankly, we don't have them in Counter Strike.
3: We know. definitely didn't get it right the first time. To be clear, I'm not advocating for our current poaching rule system. Uh, there's definitely some some overhaul that uh, probably needs to be done. Uh, but I would say definitely for from 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 an from an LCSGM perspective um structurally it's a lot easier when you're at the top of europe to like maintain your presence in the circumstance where like when the poaching rules are way less restrictive are you able to have way more frank conversations so people can make more educated decisions Uh, i think a lot of obviously issues we suffer from in north america are a lot of people making a lot of uneducated decisions
2: I always thought people would just like it was just the sheer paucity of imagination when it came to poaching, like anyone who gets caught by a poaching rule, you're just a joke, like I would literally just say to a player I want to play with next year why don't we both both just start learning Sanskrit, listen, if fucking Riot can get on that shit and figure out what we're saying, fair play they deserve to put us down, yeah, I mean, all dis- I'm saying is you'll never catch me, I'll be speaking fucking Zinibul Ganubi, I don't give a fuck yeah,
3: Riot isn't exactly uh, subpoenaing discord logs so exactly, it's- yeah it's- <laughs> It's
2: I
1: it's mean, that's, lot all, that's to also be real. They don't give a fuck because, like, <laughs> yes. th- to, to Riot Games, it's a very trivial and petty thing. They only mm-hmm. want, they only ever really take it seriously when they want to kick someone out the league. Uh, you know the 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 reality. Oh, uh, you, know, right. you keep going I them as I see uh, So I, uh, you know the 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 reality is there that actually that's another rule that they should probably just assess while they're here because it's so selectively enforced, and it we all know it goes on. Players having pool parties with each other, owners reaching out to other players to reach out to other players, uh-huh. and they could
2: presidents be like, being oh. shared streaming. Well, the, yeah, yeah, the point. Yeah, the and point the one I was rule.
3: making is that's obviously like a thousand times more prevalent, in my opinion, in the LEC. Whereas, because it's not nearly as prevalent here, because we are considerably more strict, in my opinion, uh, that's why we don't have like a real free agency in North America. Like relative to what traditional sports free agencies look like, like ours is ours is a joke in comparison.
1: And that that's a fair comment as well, I think. But you know, it, I mean, it's... we
3: literally added a rule to allow TSM to give Bjergsen equity so he would stay. <laughs> I I don't know how to better personify this. That's what I also love about the fact
2: Reginald, of all people, has the fucking temerity to step into this conversation. You're a guy (laughs) who they literally allowed, allegedly, to use fucking tourist visas for your player to play professionally in LCS. Then when other people start bringing in top talents from Europe, including someone in this call, magically they had to get a fucking visa or their player can't play. Then we have a scenario where your player gets grandfathered in despite playing far less than others. You're so stupid you don't use that to stack championships. You wait like three years before attempting to abuse that rule, at which point in time, you make some of the worst signings ever and fuck your whole team up. So like the idea of Reginald, of all people, is like, when is hey, a Riot going to cut me a bloody break? Like, mate, at this point in time, they're like... right. right Reginald, you can only kill four more people and you get away with the murder. <laughs> like this is ridiculous. Well they only like the it's a parking like, ticket.
3: They only injected like three more grandfathered imports. They only had like Dennett or they had Svenskara and they had Santora and they were just collecting at that point, right? Exactly. All right. Could have
2: made a mad, edgy joke. It, but I didn't do it, doing it. I didn't do it. Let, it. Let's, so let's uh, make it through the first It's all right. I'll type it in the it for y'all, just for y'all Yeah, thanks. All
0: right. I do think we should take a quick uh, bathroom break, but I do want, when we get back, I do want to talk about what we think should happen with the import rules, and because... Personally, going back to what Thorin said at the beginning of this, I also am in favor of seeing the best competition. And for me, one of the central problems of League of Legends is that I am denied watching all of the good players in one place uh, basically for the whole year. Because inevitably, some of these guys are on teams that are the fourth, fifth best teams in China or Korea. So I don't even get to watch them at international events because they don't even qualify. And the burden of watching all of the regions is actually like more than a full-time job if you were to watch all four major regions every game that happens this is why people like me you know formerly although i do watch many of the major games these days but if you look at people like ls or dom who are co-streaming right now they're on all the time because it's so hard to watch and keep up with this game at a top professional level because there are too many matches and i think that this is really the core of what many people are complaining about um, when it comes to the owners uh, because they want to, they want to be competitive at that level. And I think what's missed here is that this isn't really a business. Like it is a business to these guys, but Reggie and Jack, they want to win. Like Mm -hmm. they're just incredibly competitive people. And the fact that they are not allowed to win is actually, I think one of the, Fundamental frustrations for them that we have to take into
3: consideration. Yeah, that's directly causing their reaction. Yeah, we yeah. see
0: inside me. the
1: game,
3: not excusing yeah. it. <laughs> no, 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 all, all, not excusing also, it.
1: Also called being a spoiled child. Yeah, sure. the guys, guys who that. have
2: <laughs> actual Lambos and live in mansions are going. This is all I've got from this bloody game. This Lambo and this mansion. I'm not even allowed to win the world championship. Wait, Richard, if, if they're
3: spoiled, is it their fault or is it riots for spoiling them in the first place? Uh,
0: yeah, well, is well, it the
3: well, parents' I mean, fault you know, we, for we spoiling like for the, the for
1: child? Another, <laughs> yeah, we just go on for another two hours if we start getting into all right, riots. All all right. Let's
0: yeah. All right, let's let's take a little break and let's uh, come back and talk about how this could look in the future because I do think that this is you know. This isn't happening for no reason. And I do think yeah. that there are a lot of frustrating aspects of the League of Legends competitive scene that I think we're coming to a head on and that we, we actually do need to solve in a larger global sense. So we'll come back and chat about those solutions in just a few minutes. All right, quick break there, guys. We're back now, and I want to focus it, on. It
1: is ridiculous, Monty, that you need to do fucking a line of cocaine to fucking get <laughs> to <through> a podcast <laughs> <No>. these days. <laughs> so I, it's only I eleven a.m. I, I thought <laughs> I had substance abuse problems. Like, you
0: know what I mean? No, I, I, just, I just go for the, the coffee instead. But when I drink too much, then we, uh, we're here where I just have to pee really badly and stop the show. Uh, but yeah, I do want to I do want to talk about where this goes because I think a lot of people are there. There's kind of levels of this. So everybody got in hysterics because they're upset about the possibility of LCS not having imports anymore, which is obviously or uh, opening up all the imports. So this was obviously where they would start, but that ignores the fact that. You would have to get rid of region locking for all regions. That is just true. People were not focusing on that topic of conversation. And then the other thing people aren't focusing on is where is this even coming from? Um, And to, to my mind, the frustration here from the LCS owners and why many of them are looking to you know, try and remove this rule, presumably only for them, even though that would never happen, it would happen for everybody, is because there is still a lack of international competition where they can show their stuff and and LCS teams' ability, these team owners' ability, not even LCS teams. This is, understand that this is coming from a place of vanity. Reggie and Jack want to be the best team in the world. Now, I don't think they particularly care that they're an LCS team or not. I don't think that's their goal. I think their goal Mm -hmm. is to be competitive on a global stage because it gives them potentially more money and prestige, which is totally reasonable. If you're a very competitive person, Uh, I would be in that same boat if I was still a team owner. But Mm -hmm. what we're focusing on here is that that is the core issue. And it's a problem. We've reached a problem within League of Legends where we still have insufficient international competition. Uh, Compared to most other major esports and because of the region locking these teams have kind of hit their peak like we're not going to see like TSM or LCS or cloud nine viewership get larger and they've kind of tapped the available pool of players that they have to improve their rosters even with some of the biggest signings we've ever seen in in League of Legends history like perks coming over to to LCS but that's not enough because they still want to win so. To me, the, the core of this issue is really that they don't have the capacity to win under the current system, and there's a lack of international competition for them to prove that they are good. And obviously, this has probably also been stoked by the pandemic. If I'm Jack, I'm super salty that Cloud9 didn't get to compete during spring at their peak last year at MSI, uh, where I think they legitimately had a shot at making finals. I think that's not outrageous to say, given their form at uh-huh. that point in time. Um, and that that might've been Cloud9's best
3: opportunity to place well at an international event ever. Um, and honestly, that might have been, uh, I'll, I'll be like the really extreme perspective that I think is true. That might've been the only chance NA has within probably the next several years Unless we change things like just to be super honest, when I look at the current landscape where players are landing after this free agency period, like that's just what it looks like.
0: Yeah. And so for me, my level of frustration is, as I alluded to before the break, I want to watch all the best players competing against each other. That is what esports has always been for me because I come from a time before region locking existed and everything was just international. And I grew up watching StarCraft on OGN where there were one or two non-Korean players in these leagues, right? And it was a miracle when Jinro was making top four in GSL. And I didn't care because I just wanted to watch the best competition. And it was a fun storyline when Jinro did that. But to me, it was not really about Jinro. It was just about watching the best players. So I still want that. And I understand that regionalization has been key to Riot's development of these leagues, and it has been very successful, and I acknowledge that. But in my mind, the time has come for us to create a region-free super league on top of everything. And this this wouldn't be like Champions League where the existing teams qualify. This would be an entirely new franchise structure where teams have to apply.
2: You have an Overwatch League for League of Legends. Yes, and and to people well, obviously not with all the baggage of all the negative things, which and, means a premise.
0: And people will say like, "Oh, well, Overwatch League hasn't been doing well," and that's true. But they didn't develop the grassroots regional. Yeah, yeah. they didn't have a like, first game with a massive it. player base. Of course, they of course. didn't have the player base, you know. And I'm not saying cha- I would say change nothing about LCS except for do what Danon said and maybe yes. roll back those those the you know the region lo- like region free um, you know residency rules, right? So you keep that there, and presumably, you're keeping the fans of LCS happy, who do want to watch these North American talents. Now, what you do when you create this Super League is you have all of these leagues that people can cha- can pick from. And people will say, well, Overwatch League was mostly Korean. You weren't paying attention. Actually, what happened with Overwatch League is that Western players became better, and we saw the playing field level mm-hmm. out. The last two champions has been a mixed Korean and That's Western true. roster. and yep. Koreans were very dominant the MVP at the start. Was a
2: North America as
0: well a couple of years yeah. Ago. yeah. Koreans were very dominant at the start. But once you put all these players into the same league at the elite level, you actually saw significantly more parity because there was a, a chance for those guys to learn. in a re- And, you know, Korean solo queue, if you ha- have everybody over there or in the same region, it also levels it up. One thing that we saw with Overwatch League was when all the best players came to live in LA for the first two years is that solo queue in, in NA went from the worst to the best. Uh, So the practice was exceptional in North America for the teams because there were, you know, a hundred professional players that were suddenly all playing solo queue at the same time because scrim blocks are always scheduled for the same time. So when they were out of their scrims, they would just go into queue and it was really good. So people, it's not that people wouldn't be able to compete, guys. And in fact, we might see early Korean or Chinese dominance, but my theory would be that in a few years, first off, we would definitely have European teams good enough to compete in that league. You would have full European rosters or European rosters with a, a, an American player or two because they're already in the world championships of League of Legends at two of the last three years. So I think that this would actually be the best thing. And if you actually did a format where you were moving all of the teams to, like, Shanghai for a couple months, you run a tournament, and then you go to Los Angeles and you run a tournament. Then you go to Berlin and you run a tournament, right? You you can hit all of the major regions, and you actually have a way to watch all the best players where it isn't a full-time job to see one of 60 different teams across the major regions, which is just it's ridiculous that we have to go through this when all I want to do is watch the best competition
1: well i'll chime in there there's a because i that that was one of the solutions that i was going to propose but it's not the one it, it's not the one i would naturally lean into i think the way league of legends is structured they have managed to create something that is similar to the dota setup but not as inherently destructive to the esports fabric <laughs> in the sense that they they have one huge event right a year but because they have a franchise league around it and it's not just a fucking wilderness for the other fucking, you know, 48 weeks or whatever, right, per year, Um, people don't just think about worlds. They have a league structure. They have to keep the lights on in the meantime. You've got to beat your regional opponents. Get ahead of them. There's all this stuff that's going on. You're on a regular featured broadcast. So there's lots to think about. If you come in and do this Super League, I mean, and you said, and you would keep LCS going as well this is what you end up with here is you get met like you know a tsm a team liquid a cloud nine from north america they go in you know your g2 your Fnatic, etc they go in you get your best chinese teams with korean teams and then all of a sudden like the teams that are left behind all you've done there is essentially create in terms of how you farm talent, I think you'll see a bigger disparity in terms of the ability. Like the teams who are playing in that league, you're absolutely right. Like we saw with the Overwatch League last day. I say saw. So. I use that term lightly. Uh, and obviously, no one really saw it. We heard about it. <laughs> right but you know like like we saw yeah north american players european players they got better they did close that skill gap that, that, that when it was all korean you know we thought it was all going to be korean lineups initially but the problem would be if you had those other leagues where it was like you didn't even have a tsm or a cloud nine to play against what do you think happens to those teams that don't even need to raise their game because they're suddenly the top dog not because they leapfrogged the team but because that team just said see we're off to go make more money this is one of the big resistances we've had to the league touted european super league um not only because it would devalue in football that is uh, not only because it would devalue the champions league but it would also devalue every domestic league that would potentially feed into it now yeah bunch of emirati money and everyone those teams those like 16 teams or whatever oh, it would be yeah they're set for life they've got a license to print money or uh, their games would you know command a bigger fee for the pay-per-view model that we use and all that but what it does to the fabric of the game is a huge con and this is why people have been resistant against it. I think a much better solution would be for Riot Games to just simply introduce, scattered over the course of a season, some international competitions some legitimate international competitions that aren't just like a one shot aren't just a tournament bracket but you know are a bit structured like the league do take place over a period of a week rather than a weekend and give an opportunity to teams i don't know how they would get there how you would decide that but give an opportunity for those guys to basically have regular but not too regular so you devalue world's competition against better regions and better teams we've already seen a bit of that (coughs) stuff like all-stars and everything but i think uh, again if you look at the daughter circuit how they've moved to they identified the destructive force that was ti having one tournament a year that everyone cares about and 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 no one gives a fuck (coughs) the rest of the time and they started bringing in the majors be good for league of legends maybe riot games to come back to some of those tournament organizers that they absolutely fucked over when they made lcs maybe get back to them and say hey do you want to run an international tournament for us like you know they're eating well over there at riot it's all 10 cent on now anyway who gives a fuck about all battles so i think that would be a much better solution i think a super league lot it's it's good in the short term for the teams in it but it kills grassroots league so
0: i i i don't know if that's true because we've actually seen like the the French league grow substantially even though it is basically a feeder league in principle for LEC, right? And I think that there's enough okay. There's enough current stability in many of these esports circuits to support a 16 team super league on top of it and still keep everything compelling for regional fans, right? I would say this, right, which is I'm not really on the side
2: of like whether or not this would do well in the league or something, but I, I mean, Monty's original premise of if you want to reverse engineer a world in which, without just letting everyone buy all the Koreans, a North American or a European team could be the best in the world, it is essentially the most obvious thing is increase the exposure time to the best players. Yes. I mean essentially, I can tell you from other games, this is how it works. When out when we referred earlier to StarCraft, right? In those days, when if you made a team a tournament of the top 16 teams in the world, players in the world 50 would be Koreans there's a reason the one non-Korean was my boy he was going and living in Korea for like half the time so that yeah he'd take the beatings for the first three months then he'd get good then his level would be high and then he could compete similarly in Counter-Strike we know this only too well because we've actually had like a reduced aspect we essentially had two regions we had Europe which was the best we were the Koreans and North America was the underdog region which maybe the absolute best team could possibly have a chance at winning the European major as it were right that's like League of Legends now now, counter-strike two years ago the best team in the world was a north american team it was team liquid and part of that reason why by the way is because they didn't just stay in north america beat all the north american type teams then once a year go to a major and go holy fuck, is that Fnatic? oh my god fuck, that's astralis they were playing those guys every weekend yep so yep. it's an, if you weren't as good you'll never be better but the point is it just removes all those things of like I'm an underdog or like, wow. Well, look at, or, or, or look you like at the Luminosity you SK times. roster, oh, the, the Brazilian. Let me just throw this last thing in as well. I'll say this as well. We even have a mad control group, which is last year because last year when Americans couldn't travel and play Europeans, and by the way, there's a double element to that, which is since we have an open circuit in Counter-Strike, you also get to practice the Europeans if they come to an IEM in Chicago or San Jose because they're going to be there for the week. So it improves your practice, kind of like Monty's example of an Overwatch League and the solo queue going up. So basically when we had 2020 and there was no international travel, not only did the Americans, when they finally came to Europe at the end of the year, no joke, like drop half their level, but in the meantime, they all... Said without like a tournament circuit where you know the European teams come in and practice, they said the practice just got worse and worse and worse and worse in North America until eventually you know you actually had like three or four teams and everything else was just a waste of time. So, like, that's not like a hard and fast rule, but I would just say those trends do imply to me if you ever want the best European North American player to be as competitive, he has to play the Koreans yes. and the Chinese, even if it's just psychologically. Like, I always mm. said this about my boy Double Lift if Double Lift really played 10 fucking years playing Uzi I and all those guys every two months, he wouldn't be shitting his pants like seven worlds in would he? He'd be—he'd he'd either have gotten over it, or he'd be the biggest choker of all time. It'd be one of the two. Whereas in this scenario, like realistically, he got what like ten shots in it his whole career. Ten.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, like, that's, that's, that's that's not <laughs> well, as big but, as double-sized uh, people think.
3: Well, I was gonna say uh, I usually pick myself the idealist, but you guys are maybe being a little bit more excited about this idea than I am. I, I think my struggle is like looking through the politics of of how decisions are made for League of Legends. This seems like some is weird pipe dream this is like a weird alternate universe i'm living okay. in like like being rewritten by Mar- I, I typically
2: like, try to live in Marvel, all the Marvel,
3: Marvel, League uh, Legends from right I, games, look, believe it or not. I, look
0: as as as, 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 a as in
3: like manifesting a thing um but where where i'm at is looking at it saying i don't think you can do much like structurally um to the global calendar unless you have uh three of the major regions on board and the global team Um, for for League of Legends. So when I hear, you know, Super League, when I hear like these big structural changes uh, that have impacts on these like technically permanent franchising partnerships that we just laid like we literally just franchised lck um i think lpl is like implementing their like salary cap right now there's so many things going on that like even if we pretended to say we're going to do this over the next 10 years it still just it wouldn't manifest even if you took your vision of what we want to do and implemented it right now and said we're going to fast track it as fast as we can we still wouldn't even get there in my opinion in 10 years um so i'm having a really hard time attaching or relating to the idea (laughs) well i mean i Look, what, what does that speak to about our sport? <laughs>
0: yeah, look, I think you could do it, and but here, and I, I like as a fan, I want this because I want one place to watch all the best players. Because I, it's I, infuriating I to me that I can't yeah. do that, and it is. I like the way Monty keeps going back. to That he doesn't go to like you know. It'd be great for the. No, it's, it's good, good for Monty. Why can't I just watch all the best games and know everything in one look, week look, without having to watch 700 games? This is unfair. I used to be able to do that. In 2014, <laughs> when I was casting LCK, really I, got to, well. I, got, I got to watch all the best players in one place. <laughs> it was awesome. It was the best year of esports ever. I just want that back. Yeah, transparently. Okay. Now, here's why this is terrifying to me. In order to do this, you would have to franchise, right, the Super League. Now, yeah. what, now this is good for Riot, but probably not good for every other esport or the esport scene in general in that at this scale Riot, why they would do it i think and why they could do it is because you can play kingmaker at a global scale that would be unprecedented in this industry hundred million dollar buy-in hundred million dollar buy-in when you apply for the super when you apply for the super league you must you know have x number of like professional sports partners. We want to see that, you know, in a way, what people don't know is that when franchise hit LCS and LEC, what it did was it created a shotgun wedding where many of the teams had to go out and acquire new investors to become attractive to Riot, right, in order for them to approve their franchising. Now, this would do it at an even bigger scale, right? You would say, hey, you know, European teams, you'd better get Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know, on your like as part of your company in order to give us the best possible chance of franchises or this premier league team etc now this would jump the industry pretty significantly in terms of investment but also what's scary to me about this potentially i mean i don't know i don't think it's going to happen but if it did happen what would be scary is that these new esports teams would be by far the biggest on the planet and they would be very very um beholden to riot which would probably create a lot of problems in other games would be my my number one fear
1: well i mean not to mention we go back to where we started with riot games which is the first thing um you know you're not allowed to have a dota team you know let's codify that if if you want to run a tournament That has multiple games, like with the Intel Extreme Masters, you now have to create an entire separate tournament circuit if you want to do that. We won't have our rivals adjacent to it. And Riot has already had, at some point in esports, a disproportionate amount of influence. And every time Riot has a disproportionate amount of influence over anything, whether it's um a, a, a professional esports organization or a female employee, they abuse it. So uh, to me, it seems that this would be an absolute nightmare for the industry holistically it could be yeah um yeah so i mean when you when you look at it that way um that's you know not the way i want to go at all but i'll also just add this i think actually there's a financial aspect to it where riot games might it might not be as good as it sounds 100 million dollar 100 million dollar buy-in sounds great on the surface maybe 20 teams from all across the world all the big regions you know you throw a brazilian team in there as well just so you get the viewership Yeah, nice. Uh, And and trust me, they can definitely raise that kind of money in Brazil as well. Uh, But then the problem you've got is that worldwide, you're probably talking across all of the leagues, approximately 115 teams, right? on on some level and all of those people have paid millions already into a system where they think they're going to get maximum value because they've handed their money over to a developer well if you create a super league and you say sorry guys we were only really interested in these 20 organizations the whole time they just pack up shop and go to another game or get out of esports altogether. and probably what you've done is without realizing it you've created a wonderful golden tipped you know peak of the pyramid but the next two, Basically, three, four I'll... years below all start to crumble. Yeah. yeah. And, bit... and, 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 and like, listen, what, you, what, what you're talking about, I don't know if it's because your mindset is a little bit different because you did go over to the Overwatch League, and I, I know to a certain degree. You believed a lot in that project in terms of how it was structurally and some of the things that they were trying to do over there. But I, I think in about two years when we watched the Overwatch League collapse, much like the CGS before it i think uh, i think we're going to basically get a written textbook lesson that more people are paying attention to than cgs as to why these types of leagues are usually doomed for failure and what keeps esports upright isn't having a consolidation of power at the top with big brands and all of that it's actually having a healthy grassroots oh, I agree. scene above but all. but
0: that's why i think this is different than overwatch league because they're all we already have a decade of building up these grassroots scene and we've seen that cblol is not killed by the fact that it's not a tier one League of Legends competition. You know, the Vietnamese League is not killed by the fact that it's not a tier one competition. And I don't think that LCS or LEC or LPL or LCK would be killed by losing some of their players or potentially some of their teams to a larger league. In fact, I think that this is the right way to do it, Richard, as opposed to what Overwatch League did, which was take the top of the pyramid and try and, you know, put it on top of nothing. I think we have the foundation of the pyramid in this game. Do you want a completely that, mad
2: uh, question? There's a mad angle on imports that nobody ever, ever has brought up, but it's actually mad because it shows how pointlessly arbitrary the import rules are. Why is there no import rule on recruiting your coach? <laughs> It's a real question. You think about logically. <laughs> yep. What you're seeing with the player is I can't have more than two players because they might be better from that region that produces better players. So why are all the coaches allowed to be Korean? I've never understood it because what it shows to me is you haven't thought through what the, the philosophy behind what you were doing was. Because by the way, spoiler, just go have a look at the LCS now. Like there's a fucking million Koreans who are in the league. So <laughs> to me, if you're
0: going to have an impact on your team, why is that not covered by import rules? Fair. Has that ever been discussed by the teams, Damon? Or does everybody just accept it?
3: Uh, well, this is this is one of the weird things coaching has already been this like super weird big thing like the only thing we've really changed over the years is like larger allowances of them so over time um and again you're gonna love this we just basically got more protective anytime we like found something that we like asserted was a valuable coach um we wanted to like include that in our in our portfolio so we increased like the coaches from like having one in the gcd to having two in the GCD, to having three in the GCD, to having four. Like, that's all we've done iteration-wise on it. Uh, but yeah, there's never been any consideration or conversation around uh, around that. I also think, like, our, like coaches uh, globally still aren't at the forefront of a lot of the conversations. Uh, they're not super – like, it's weird. Like, esports is traditionally more transparent and visible uh, on the talent side. Like, you see and interact – uh, with players through twitch uh, and through their social media way more than you do with traditional sports but even still then coaches aren't exactly that prevalent uh aren't that interacted with in my opinion compared to what they should be uh so i don't think it's ever going to be a focus until it's like oh we suddenly care about seven of the 10 lcs coaches and right now like i said we literally just changed 100 percent of our coaches in the last 24 months i think we changed nine this last offseason um, so with like the massive turnover, it's just not been something that's been at the at the front of that conversation. And just if I'm being honest, just lending all the way back to to where we're what we're talking about, I, I don't think anyone cares about the import rules. Like in in, in sincerity, like in all honesty, yes. I think like a yeah. knee jerk reaction to LMQ. I think it was a knee jerk reaction to all the Koreans going to, to the LPL early on, um, and then from there it's just been knee jerk reactions every time we realized yes, what wasn't correct. And now we're in this like weird spot where like people are really attached to it conceptually as like, that's what built our region. But if anything, our region has specifically been fighting those rules tooth and nail constantly. Every oh, st- think how mad this is then. I'll do a little history lesson for people. People like moving and shifting things around and go ahead.
2: Think about this. The exact owners who now want the import rule removed were the ones who wanted it in the first place to stop LMQ maybe taking their spot for Worlds, to stop low-cost Koreans who almost qualified, except for internet issues, to stop a super team of fucking ex-CG Enters players, which was going to come to North America. 100% was going to come, by the way. Because remember, at that point in time, if you're Cloud9, if you're TSM you're not going to change your entire roster tomorrow. So you actually want to conserve the fact that, no, it should be about North Americans like I have, and you know, I've got the best... Like, in that scenario, this is why I I said we also have to, like, discuss this philosophically. Because in my opinion, I think Dinan's right, right? Basically, here's what happened. These owners wake up, and whatever doesn't suit them tomorrow and for the next... Month just obviously a hyperbole there. They just go right, change the bloody rules to make it r one. But if next year it's the other way round and it benefits them for it to be the other way up, right? they'll just argue that way. Now listen, you can do that, of course, as gamesmanship. The problem is though we can't have an honest discussion and discourse about what we're going to do in the industry in that sense, because you're just only doing what benefits you in the short term. And that's why actually I think it's dirty that they then tie it to ideals like, but our fans expect us to win worlds. Oh, but what does the North American fan, he wants to win. Yeah. You don't give a fuck about that. That's not why you're doing anything. You're pushing your business interests. And usually in some case, not even business, you just want to win. Which, by yeah. the way, is totally fine. That's a totally but, legitimate reason. But I but, agree. I think they're I think they're masking like a bigger topic behind like their own short term sort of concerns, basically.
1: But this is ahead. why I think the solution that I, you know, I was talking about, you know, uh, it, it fixes all of these things, right? Because so we keep the LCS franchise leagues as they are. If anything, actually, you know, maybe maybe to create space in the calendar maybe shave one or two orgs that don't really bring a lot of value on it, like and just say thanks for playing i know you invested here's some of your money back and there must be a clause by the way for any point a team is just there lurking and you just think i don't like
0: look that anymore. will never be used richard there is
1: sure sure but i but i but i but it, if it exists there is a possibility to i think fix all of the problems we've talked about so this is what i believe would be good for league of legends and i think it literally ticks all of the boxes i think it be good for the fans i think it will be good for the orgs i think it would be good for the development of regional talent i think it would be good for riot so uh, what you do is you keep the lcs as they are we've got to create some space on the calendar fine you then because you can't burden yourself as riot games with it you have to go back to some of your original tournament organizing partners there's no mlg anymore there's no ipl anymore there is still an intel extreme masters who so i'm sure would love to get legal hey Legends i'll take i'll take a,
0: i'll take a league tournament richard <laughs> <laughs> right. like, you know. okay and so
1: what you do is you I'm then sure. create an international tournament think about how sick ipl5 was like who doesn't remember that right and so you create an international tournament based on some premise you know something they've done in a split something they've done in the league maybe some like undetermined criteria and you go and you play that international tournament now we've got international tournaments back on the menu especially ones that riot is outsourcing all they have to do is pick up the phone and say don't have richard lewis anywhere near it and then they've covered all of their bases that they need to do operationally and so now we, those players get to play against international level teams that you're talking about like duncan's talking about over time they will get better if we have you know one or two or three of those a year but also it will satiate that desire to win for the owners because winning now isn't about one tournament a year beating the best isn't about one tournament a year you have the opportunity to beat the best at some smaller events in a lesser scale might not mean as much as winning worlds but you can show you can beat the chinese you can beat the koreans at these international tournaments and slowly but surely if you win one of those if you're a north american owner you go, look, guys, remember when we did that? Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, and like, you know, think about Fnatic getting to the final of the IPL5 that IPL five, and that was like a mad thing. Right?
0: <laughs> but, but I yeah. think, I think, but see, Richard, as much as I would personally love that, I think Damon you know there's a there's already a stratification of the haves and have-nots within these regions right and it's very hard to break this cycle because there is no draft in order for you to get a top tier prospect there is no salary cap so you can just get completely dominated by the top teams in the league and it would that would create a cycle where it would be almost impossible to break like the c9 liquid stranglehold on north america because the more events they would qualify for the more top talent they would attract the more money they would have from sponsorship right. to spend on these players yeah. so it just it creates this and, like and, and, and positive and this feedback loop
1: yeah but no but this is this is why because i mean like you know that 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 by the way that argument would infinitely apply to the super league idea but then what you do is you see you have to create you've got to find a way to sneak in those teams that maybe aren't going to be there week in week out on lcs which by the way let's not pretend that if we do something like this that those guys aren't going to have a method where they could easily overtake a tsm or a cloud nine one of the things that isn't being talked about here you you know people. You know, it's kind of obfuscated by the broader debates we're talking about is right now the system that, that they've got actually helps TSM. It hurts them internationally, TSM and Cloud9, but it helps them stay on top regionally. Right. Yes. So so what, what you can do there is, again, have a wildcard tournament, have one where the big boys just have to fucking sit one out and you send them on a fucking photo-op tour or give them a fucking holiday in Maui or whatever, you know, just to fucking chill them the fuck out. An an, an,
3: an NIT tournament.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you and you, you space out the ability for these teams to qualify for these international tournaments in ways that are interesting and fun and can build narratives into your league. These things are all possible. We used to have it when League of Legends, for a year or two, leaned into the open circuit. The problem was Riot Games at that time were obsessed with control and obsessed with profit and it's what's all always... time <laughs> yeah well, it's only got worse so you know uh, we we had a successful open circuit that would have seen regions like grow and develop equally we've moved away from that To maximise value domestically, we've created these franchise leagues and we've made it all about worlds as some sort of holy grail. And of course, people like Reginald and Jack who want to win are going to look at that league and look at that trophy and go, without that, I have nothing. You start sprinkling into a calendar meaningful tournaments. Suddenly that isn't true anymore. And there's nothing to say that in a year or two. They couldn't claim one of them. All you need is the miracle tournament. tournament As
3: as someone inside, it's still... Definitely feels like we're. Uh... Wait, someone says my mic is losing its mind. Is uh, you uh, guys I know, all right? We can nope, hear you. Okay. Right, cool. I can hear so, you fine. Uh, I someone who's inside, it still sounds and kind of feels like you're trying to fight gravity. I think if you want to work towards a Super League and I think if you want to see uh, better high level competition, uh, ultimately, like, and again, I don't necessarily agree entirely with the take, but I think one of the steps for that would just be to release. Uh, release the restrictions as they are I think if we, want, like, if we wanted to say like, what is going to make the LCS the premier League of Legends product I don't think it's as simple and I don't think it's as straightforward as asking Riot to do more international competition I think they've already like exampled very clearly they don't agree they literally got rid of Katavica. Um they got rid of Rift Rivals yep. uh, and they've obviously downsized and moved pieces around to 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 make sure that kind of stuff doesn't actually happen anymore and I'm pretty confident if I had to like guess why that's just because they don't want it to undermine msi and they don't want it to undermine worlds if i'm being honest i would not be shocked at all if they've had conversations on their end where they feel like msi undermines worlds right like worlds is their in my opinion premier product um so i think you're really fighting not only riot but obviously all the leagues aren't going to buy into that this is the one unique circumstance right now where we have what appears to be 10 teams who are like vaguely pointed in the same direction which is like really really rare just a heads up um and I think if you really wanted to work towards towards your Super League, it wouldn't be as, like, this grand gesture of, like, an idea and we roll out and we get everyone on board. As much as it would be, like, subversion, we come in through un- uh, releasing the import restrictions, we accept that the teams that come to the LCS market, uh, like, whether that's the ones that stay or whether that's, like, Uh, Chinese billionaires come and buy half the league. Uh, I think if we are the most valuable market like we think we might be, uh, there's an absolute reality where we bring the best talent over here and instead of what you're talking about where we're trying to like materialize this in full, uh, we iterate over time and we meet in the middle and still allow Riot to have their like vague idea of control of what they see uh, and how they want to iterate on worlds and like the things they've been doing already while we bring the best teams together and look forward. Like this has already been a struggle to be clear for example, when we boot camp for Worlds, guess where we go? Where, where do you think we go Korea. every time? We all go to Korea, right? Like we go there for a month. Yeah. I've advocated in the past that Riot should mandate that the boot camp is inside the Worlds region. So if Worlds is in NA, the boot camp is mandated in Chicago. All Worlds teams yeah, that qualify that. must arrive a month before Worlds and they must play at least in or adjacent Chicago, low ping effectively. Um, in order to help energize that region, and that travels around, right? Now that is like a small breadcrumb of an idea that could actually turn into something inside the the politics of what's going on. Uh, but I think anything that's more aggressive or more severe, you're not going to be able to get enough people on board. And right now, the only thing that matters are the franchise partners and riot. I really want to like empathize and say like players should have a really big voice in this. I really want to emphasize em- empathize and say, you know, fans, um, should be brought on. But again, we're talking the global scale of what's going on. It's really hard to actually get a read on what like the global fan base wants um, and also trusting and assuming that the ones that we're hearing are the educated ones that actually are in position to follow up on what they're saying. We're like, we're going to watch this reason. We're going to watch this event. Like, There's just too many things to move around. And I think something like this, funny enough, maybe the owners are going like a terrible way about explaining it, um and trying to like deflect and point at like, I don't know, any talent development or something is like part of it. But realistically I think doing that is like probably the only thing that gets you close to your guys' idea.
0: I also think that there's not only value in that idea, Danon but there's value in uh, mandating that all teams like shortening the season slightly and then mandating that preseason all teams go to the same region what, like Korea yeah. or yeah. at least be, you know, if the teams
3: are in China, they can at least play a on lot the of Korean teams server. normally go to Korea in December. Right. So that wouldn't even yes. be abnormal. That's like, but not enough of them to make more space and <laughs> yeah. not well, not long enough. Yeah. yeah. So I mean I, a lot of that's also free agency it's all the way back in November when it could be much sooner but they don't want to like do anything during war. Sure. it's a it's a whole thing right Also can we so get rid of all stars cuz it's a
0: waste of time <laughs> The other thing to yeah. me as
2: well that makes this whole discussion weird is I think even people who do in theory want the best for League of Legends, they're trying to like solve the entire problem with a yes. home run every time. The the scenario has to be, right? How do we, re- re- if, let's face it, it's really just TSM. How do we reverse engineer it so TSM wins worlds? Because people somehow <laughs> imagine, right? If we fix that, then it's all done. That's like that fucking old saying that like, you know, if you want to invent a sandwich, you have to like invent the entire universe first. Like that's a ridiculous premise. Well, you... My premise would be this. You're Why still the being fu- generous, by the way sure my premise would be this right if there's all this money in North America to invest in esports and there's all these viewers in America who want to why can't we just make it so that the end goal is that if you're a North American org you have a lot of success in America why would going to another why would parlaying that success into mm-hmm. then going to China and winning a different tournament that's vaguely watched by the set why would that be the end goal like to yeah. me logically this is why it comes to things like tournament format I think that the format that they have for LCS specific to NA is inappropriate I think they probably should have a circuit that maybe it is a fucking road show. Maybe it's different formats of tournaments. Find out what American fans want. Lock-in was really successful. We're trying to fix like the whole problem by going to like the like well if the team that I like wins the whole thing doesn't that make the whole system yeah. right. like to me you start on the fundamental level well Here's and it.
3: that's why I'm saying you're being generous I don't think TSM winning worlds actually is going w- would solve this ultimately it doesn't I think, but
2: they just I they think see that as, like, the wants. talisman you know
3: if we generally were able to ask what everyone wanted which is like the ten owners LCS proper even like the global team a little bit for parody's sake. Um, as well as fans and players, they would say they want North America to be relevant and consistent and capable. Like I think NA making finals two or three times in a row would probably be enough. They don't even have to win, but I actually think like one hit wondering uh, TSM winning winning world championship would be exactly like what we just saw here, where TSM just like won an AA championship and then replaced four out of five of their players because nobody was clearly being fulfilled there. <laughs> also, what happened
0: when CLG made an MSI final? Nothing, remember? And like- yeah, exactly. Or C9 made top four at Worlds. Nothing happened after that. So we've had, uh, you know, a some degree of that international success. And here's the other problem, is one of the reasons why LCS isn't competitive is because not all of the teams are even motivated financially to be competitive. At this point in time, this year, guys, I hate to break it to you, the reason why you're seeing so many players you haven't heard of before is not because the NA owners suddenly want to take on a whole bunch of rookies. It's because there isn't a financial incentive to go from eighth place to fifth place in LCS. There's no reason to spend yeah. the money. So what what teams are doing is that they are getting, they're trying to hit the the you know hit gold. They're out there prospecting, heading west and to San Boston. Francisco to like pan for gold yes. in a river. But most people who do that didn't get rich. Spoiler, guys, they didn't get rich. One in a million got rich. But you know what? It wasn't expensive to do that, right? You're not building a mind. You're just up, up there, you know, <laughs> up to your knees in cold water looking for gold nuggets
3: in a creek, right? Can, can I unfortunately combat this really quickly with some <laughs> sure. insight? Sure. Yeah. It's please. funny. I I think I think you're what you're pointing to is probably a handful of teams for sure. But what's funny is it's kind of the opposite. Like it's weird. Like a it's almost. Maybe I'll be super critical and say hypocritical um, to, to look at it where you're saying, you know, people don't want to spend money to go to eighth to fifth. But in my opinion, that's that's kind of like, for example, what 100 Thieves did, right? They they spent a reasonable amount of money that I'm not disclosing um, <laughs> to acquire effectively the entirety of, of sure. my roster son's top laner. Um, and I, I don't know if like we have like insanely high confidence, like they're looking all right right now. But like, do we have confidence that 100 Thieves is just like the standout top two they're going to win? No, I think they're top four. There's an absolute reality. There's an absolute reality where they spent a considerable amount of money just so they could get, you know, maybe a third, fourth, fifth, like, especially in the current landscape. Same thing with FlyQuest. Like, presumably they paid Jack a a real amount of money Mm. to acquire and transition in their roster. And we genuinely, like, obviously there's this weird circumstance where they were second and now they're trying to, like, reel and figure things out. But I still find it like I'm still looking at it and saying, you know, people are still spending a lot of money. And ultimately, I don't think that's going to manifest itself into a top two performance. And if that happens, those owners are going to be in the exact same position that I think these owners are sure. right now, where they're like, oh, man, I spent all this money and I, I just didn't
0: wait. But, but my, my point is, is that there isn't a revenue structure that's in place at LCS that is incentivizing that top level of performance outside of making oh, yeah, no, worlds. No, I, outside I of making with you worlds. that there's
3: no incentive. But they're still doing it anyways. That's
0: my confusion. Well, some teams are. <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah. some teams have have, have given up. Uh, but I, I I think, like, when you look at that, that is also an issue that needs – I'm just saying it's an issue that needs to be addressed, which is that there isn't enough financial incentive based on the revenue sharing in order to motivate bottom teams. Yeah. And it's well, very it's, easy it's- just to sit there at the bottom forever yeah but what it's they
2: inher- by the it's way to tie in problem. oh go oh, oh, wait, tie- to tie into to what, what Monty's saying as well by the way is like there's another element which is if you actually know about Overwatch this is essentially what they've just done over the last year a lot of owners if they didn't have the team that was basically going to win the Overwatch League they just cynically like shed their roster and just signed basically just warm bodies to fit in the chairs yep. with the logic mm-hmm. being well if I'm not winning anyway I'm just essentially I'm just keeping my foot in the door for this year so why spend loads of money to come ninth place or something so I don't think it's obviously as extreme in LCS but I agree I saw some of those rosters Monty in the off season and here's the thing right yes of course there will be NA talent who comes through but the idea that you're going to do like a rogue mad lions and have teams <laughs> that have 4 or 5 rookies and they're going to all make it and become it's not going to happen like that even mm-hmm. beggars belief from the person who might have the rookie Maybe parlor fox is the next guy the point is what are the odds like 3 people on his team are so I do think some of that has gone on and I think basically if you are not these teams shooting for the moon I think a lot of people people are more like, I'll spend half as much, but just be almost competitive.
1: It, it's like, kind of interesting to me because I see people in the chat talking about CLG. I, I think probably the dirty secret is CLG spent money and fucking failed. So, <laughs> well, you know, like they, they, they had other issues. Like Broxa
0: couldn't get here. I think they will be better to be fair to CLG. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. They,
1: well, you. the only way it is up, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, you, 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 that's a safe bet, I think. Um, I also but, heard in the off
2: season, they were a team trying to make like a super team or something. Just, just a yeah. bit of dirt for
1: people if they
3: wanted. Yeah. Well, let me, um, let, me, let me posit a question to you guys. Um, obviously, I'm an insider. For you guys on the outside, do you feel like winning in the LCS um, is valuable or is, is worth it right now?
2: First of all, I take umbrage with the idea that you're an insider and I'm an outsider. I've forgotten more about your team than you'll ever know. Anyway, you know I like the premise. No, I get the premise. So what was the question again?
3: Uh, I, was, I was just positing whether or not... Uh, winning is, is worth the money that you spend in the league right now. I'm curious what you're going to say.
2: That's actually kind of what I was alluding to before. Basically, what I was getting at before is this. Another problem with this whole discussion that maybe only me and Richard will immediately see just because, listen, y'all were born in the Matrix. You never saw the real world with <laughs> human eyes. All I'll say is this. Again, if you're not from America, part of you does just think, It's fun to have conversations with the Americans. Now, who gives a fuck about them? Let's go on with life. So, I think to myself, (laughs) of all the other regions, right? So, when I think to myself, if I'm an LPL team, the end goal, by the way, if I'm an LPL team, isn't to win Worlds. That is absolutely not. That would actually be considered like a bonus that would come with my main goal, which is be far and away the number one LPL team, market to all of China, monetize all my fans, get all the sick deals, or everything, right? The problem with this, in my opinion, it's why I kind of alluded to it before, was... Why is LCS not even vaguely, at least publicly, messaging that that's what they're going for? My goal, if I'm Reginald, isn't win Worlds. It's that just by being number one in North America, I'm the most, I'm the best, I'm the most profitable company in all of League of Legends esports, or I then parlor that into my other esports ventures. Yeah, I, basically the end goal is just make money, isn't it? Right. Just be successful and make <laughs> yeah. money. So what I'm trying to get into in that sense is I don't think it is worth it. Danan. Like basically, I think the only reason you try to win LCS is to then parlor it into the Worlds thing, and then this weird like cargo occult effect where it's like, yeah. but if I win Worlds, then I become SK Telecom. It's like, not really. <laughs> I can see why that might seem like it made sense. I don't right. think it makes well I don't think it matters you,
0: if you win LCS, I, really. I, I do take umbrage to this, because like, I, I never cared about LCS, right? You have to remember that by the time LCS started, I was already casting Korean League of Legends in Korea, right? That happened after I moved and had already completed a season of Champions. So, mm-hmm. I never cared about LCS. The reason why I care about LCS, guys, is not, again, I care about watching the best teams in the world. I do it because people who speak my language and watch my content care about LCS for some reason that is beyond me, okay? So that is mm-hmm. the only reason I engage in LCS. If I had the choice to never watch an LCS game again, I would take that if my content could remain the same level of popularity, right? hmm <laughs> I would take I mean that. for me
1: to, an- to answer the question does does winning in the LCS have value commensurate to the amount of money you spend on it this is again a, this is a question that is as old as time and has a very it, it's an answer that if a lot of these team owners would kind of just like look at the lessons we learned in esports that's one thing that seems to happen. Everyone who comes in thinks they're going to break the paradigm and reinvent the wheel and all this other stuff. It's like, no, there have been successful people before you in an industry that's 20 years old. You can learn some lessons, you know, if you just have a little look at it. But no, everyone thinks they know best. But anyway, you, the the value in the team and the value with sponsors isn't in excellence. That's something that comes later. The first thing you need to do on day one is be compelling to establish a fan base and this is why when you look at g2 who which by the way i mean you know that is a, a deconstruction of one of the worst names ever gamers do yes. which 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 carlos himself even
2: admits, right you which is a samurai
0: do... for some reason also yeah
2: right, right. i <laughs> mean that can't did choose the name ocelot is his actual name in an and unironically unaware that furries exist <laughs> yeah.
1: so yeah you, he needs to be careful at certain parties. <laughs> but anyway the the the, the reality is is you know t- take for example like one of the biggest fails in the league right now is counter logic gaming the reason clg still uh, one of the best
2: names of all time
1: <laughs> yes yeah so the, the reason that they are down there and sort of have this you know perception of lack of value is 't because they don't have a roster with no names on there you know they've got finn like uh wild turtles on the roster and e. so you know these are all people that can have value just in terms of being a, a name that people know m- an aspirational element for fans don't say it thorin I know your views right but then the other problem you've got is sponsors don't really care about that it's all about engagement metrics and gr- and growth and that them thinking that there's going to be eyeballs on their products or fans might go out and purchase purchase. purchase their products you don't have to win games to get that right? The the thing that should be lighting a fire under your ass to win games, apart from the competitive drive, which we all know 99% of these American fucking GMs don't really have. There's a difference between being competitive and not liking to lose, right? Those <laughs> mm-hmm. are not the same things, right? Being a spoiled little cunt turning the board over doesn't mean you know how to win. But anyway, the, 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 the thing with CLG is they've taken a, a brand that should have a ton of value. It's got the For one sure. thing you cannot purchase in esports, which is tenure, credibility. They have that. They were around at the yes. start but they Mm -hmm. don't do anything with that because the people behind that org don't know how to leverage it it's incompetence that's the problem and then when you're incompetent in the boardroom and incompetent on the server that's the type of brand that disappears from you know the thought process of the average uh, esports fan why would you be a clg fan now say over a team liquid over eg back
3: in that was the direction dignitas was actually going for a long time yeah
1: yeah, and, and 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 this and this is what I mean. Like, I mean, at least Dig sort of did a, a hard reset and and Dignitas have done reasonably well, you know, in, in the league. Paid mm-hmm. some crazy money in not so recent times and definitely have some washed up fuckers on their roster. But you know, that that such is life. They're still up there or thereabouts in, in the NA region. So this is what I mean. Do you need to win? <clears throat> Absolutely not. But what you need to do is you need your losing to be explained away by all this other amazing stuff you're doing. Hey, we'll mm-hmm. go get them next time, guys. And if you create that love affair with your fans, they'll support you. They'll support you for three, four, five years, years, just because the content around you is compelling. You have the right type of players, the cultural fit, and all this other stuff. And sponsors will buy into that. I know. I've managed organizations. They've told me the same thing. If you lose the tournament, go out, party, film it, and make it look rock and roll. And that's you, what they want.
3: Do you feel like at least half... Of the current teams had the capacity to build that type of environment?
0: No, because the branding is so bad.
3: That's much yeah, I mean, sense. this
0: is another problem. I look at some of these
1: brands here, and it's like some of the names, like, well, first of all, there's criminally underused ones like Immortals, which I think is a really, really strong brand. But unfortunately, the people that bought that company could fuck up a cup of coffee. So what are you gonna do, right? And then you've got stuff like I don't know. I mean, FlyQuest. I don't know what that says to me. Like, I, I don't know what.
0: <laughs> to be fair like, to FlyQuest, they've actually done a lot in the last year with the brand. the name is just so tragic. Yeah, th- their marketing has been fantastic. Their Marketing is good, but it, it, every team has some sort of problem, right? First off, is we, their yeah. we marketing need,
2: that good? Like all I'm going to say is this morning, I don't comparatively, live in America, right? And ironically, No Joke actually thought for the first year that they were like related to Quest Bars because all those people yes. were like working. No, out. no, their and name then, is Trash. This is my point. But then they had an advertising thing where it was like eat your Snickers, and I was like, what the fuck? That's a bit off-brand. <laughs> and then I had to look up and go, actually, has nothing to do with that. So I think their marketing's trash. What are you
0: sure, about? I, I would say that was before. Um, I would say that. Right now, their marketing is comparatively good because everything what is the vibe else is of so. That bad. Team well, well they have st- started that's, like go, day and go.
3: That's what worries me so much. Like if there was someone we were going to point to that was like new to the league, that like, oh, maybe they're going to figure it out. They're going to get it right. It's obviously been FlyQuest has turned around their marketing. Last oh, year they turned around yeah, course, their competitive yeah. success, yes. and ultimately all that ended up happening is those players fleed. Yes, to TL, exactly. to yeah. t- C9, to TSM, uh, yeah, uh, inevitably. Uh, and that's that's my concern where it's like, it, it wasn't even worth, like, when you look at it, yes. was it even worth for FlyQuest to try to compete for, like, a, a PoE salary, presumably an Ignar salary, a Santorin salary, uh, to keep things on the table, um, When they ended up second place right like that was probably that was my hope my optimism was like this is where the yes. league can example turning it around and if anything it's kind of example a little bit of a failed state where we're like yes. oh no now like the the one team that was starting to figure it out and get things in position um, they obviously Lucas was like a huge thing for them back when they got him that was probably what literally crested them into being in this position and ultimately that's that's all gone now like the marketing is still there and that's great but like do you think um do you think they're in the position where they're like, oh yeah, we should be spending a lot? I, I would I would say probably not because they didn't keep those players. But then I'm again I'm just a little bit confused where I was saying it was like uh awkward that they then spent the money on the C9 players now they're in like this weird middle ground. Like this is just a big indicator to me that we can't point to anything in this like bottom six teams, I guess is what you'd call it. Um, that's like super salvageable or redeemable.
1: Yeah, and that's my word. Yeah, down at the bottom of the of uh, of the LCS in North America, you have to say the top teams in that region actually they they generally do kill it with branding, do kill it with sponsors, sometimes even kill it with content, and uh, as a result, they'll always have a fan base and always be okay, even if for one split as an aberration, they finished absolutely rock bottom.
3: But my concern is. Those guys are being super vocal right now about how problematic it is, no? Like, they're talking about how they can't be competitive. Is that not a word? This is
1: like, I mean, seriously, this is like when you turn on the TV and there's some billionaire arsehole on the news telling you about how, like, minimum wage will fucking kill the whole economy and stuff like this. You know what I mean? That's what they're doing. It's kidology. They're doing fine. They're doing fine off LCS. We all know it's a mostly profitable venture and, 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 and and for for the most part they're going to be okay, and this is why they care so much about League of Legends because it's their flagship team in their organization. Put it this way, I don't think I've ever heard Nade shot turn around and say like, "Oh." fucking bloody hell the league of legends what a terrible investment that was he pieced the fuck out on counter-strike as soon as he could as soon yep. as the going got tough he went fuck this so that's how you know that's how you know if they're doing okay or not yeah they'll belly ache and they'll gripe it's just in their nature but when you start looking at and i'm going to be a bit of a prick here so please forgive me right immortals fly starting open. now yeah golden <laughs> guardians i'm going to include in yeah. and, and, and and clg i do wonder sort of like i think the league i think being in the league gives you a platform to provide value to your brand and mm-hmm. i when i look at those orgs down there i don't think you've seized that opportunity frankly mm-hmm.
0: Well, you had extenuating circumstances, which you were pretty transparent about. Oh yeah, I mean, we year. could we
3: could talk about uh, the competitive. Stuff. To be clear, like I'm responsible for our competitive operations, so if you guys want to hit me on roster stuff, I'm always I'm always happy to to talk through that. When it comes to like branding and marketability, like yeah, I mean, arguably there's there's definitely things they we could have done differently. Uh, I wasn't here for the first year, so that like original branding, um, not really not really super adjacent to it. Um, but everything since then, obviously, I've been trying to to get a little bit more involved. But I will say, like. The concern is like how challenging it is to enter that space uh, and build up and grow. And like, again, FlyQuest is example, like doing it well, and I'm just worried it's not reaping enough of a reward, which is probably, again, why there's all this pressure on the League in the first place.
1: Sure, but let's also let's also talk about the elephant in the room, which we're so far removed from our original point. Like if yeah. we if we're horsemen, we've done fucking ten circuits. But yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, the you know, the, the, let's also talk about the elephant in the room. If uh, and I won't use you as an example, even though you're here, we'll stick to fly mm-hmm. quest. That seems to be the safe whipping boy, right? Yeah. So uh you know let's say FlyQuest do kill it with the branding do land some big sponsors do somehow acquire some unexpected talent and they start doing well in the splits and suddenly fans who were sick of being called racists by demented gms decide actually i could see myself in a FlyQuest jersey their clothes are pretty fly i might start moving if any of that happens by the way the established cartel will be cutting you off at the fucking knees because this is another problem they the people at the top don't want to help pull you up there and grow the pie you know, collectively, so the pie's huge and we all get equal slices, so you end up eating more. No, they don't want to do that. This is esports. Even in a franchise league where no one can get relegated and it's in the interests that everyone in the league succeeds to some degree, because that makes it more compelling and will put more food on the table. They don't think like that they think about their brands outside of the league as well. And therefore (laughs) they're looking to fuck you over in every little endeavor. Reggie would never allow the likes of a FlyQuest to dip into his fucking pocket. So if if you ever do anything right, you can bet your bottom dollar he talks to the other boys he's mates with and they talk to Riot and suddenly there's gonna be another problem or another fucking made up rule so those boys can stay at the top. So yeah, those guys in the bottom half of the league, you're not just in the bottom half of the league in terms of ability and where you're finishing place. you're in the bottom half of the league as well in sort of almost like the fucked up network and politics you have to engage in just to be in league of legends in the first place so Mm -hmm. that is that is a huge consideration i do empathize greatly with all these organizations
2: reggie the kind of guy to complain about how much it hurts his arms to have to keep pulling the ladder up for everyone (laughs)
0: <laughs> Whatever. i mean i i do think that 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 is like the fundamental issue but again we can't solve any of those competitive problems within any region until there's a real uh union for the players because it is illegal to implement speaking of things
1: that none of the
0: major orgs want in yeah. league of legends sure Player unionization <laughs> but, but wait,
1: wait just as another point as well though right i also just want to add it doesn't have to be that way you can break that paradigm 100 thieves are the proof Hundred thieves are the proof that you with good branding, a good org, an owner who you know, he knows he knows how to run an org. I suppose, uh, oh. you know, you you can break into that, and then they'll have to accept you 100 thieves basically got them like it the running joke is obviously that they're an apparel company that just happens to have Mm -hmm. an esports division and there's a lot of truth in that and it's not even as stupid as it sounds as, as a strategy and they've been able to break in and have a lot of success and sort of shake up things at the top echo fox could have done it they had a ton of problems behind the scenes in terms of their investment and money and the fact that Everyone panicked when Rick Fox came in because they mm-hmm. thought, you know, the cartel thought they were going to be put out, you know, to pasture. But it can happen. And, and well, so, I think, yeah, I'll always lay it on, I'll always lay it on your doorstep. If you, if hundred thieves can come in and do it, there's no reason the Golden Guardians can't. There's no reason the FlyQuest can't. I still wouldn't qualify. Incompetence.
3: I still wouldn't quantify 100 Thieves as a successful League of Legends product though. I think I think they've they've made a product. I I think their merch is successful I think as a brand as an influencer group. Yeah, obviously absolutely. Um I think if you give any other LCS team the same set of influencers um, more often than not, they're going to be able to turn it into like a product, a brand that can be sold and do something. I think something.
2: They, the distinction they all and they see, means like that they cracked the group of like like the old kings. Oh, like trying to break here. in. Yeah, basically, instead of Reggie, Jack, and Steve just trying to fuck you, it seems like they've accepted hundred thieves as like part of their. They're, I'm they're sure really they tried. To the I'm,
3: I'm, maybe, I'm,
1: but... I'm sure they tried somewhere along the line as well. I'm pretty certain.
3: I was going to say to to me, it kind of sounds like maybe that's like a recent development. Then, like okay. last year was not. Last year was an abject failure for 100 Thieves. Well, but their first a... year
0: was amazing, right?
3: Uh, Yes and no. I mean, in my opinion, their first year was like the the short-sightedness of of super volatile roster um, with like a lot of super volatile personalities. Recognizing that like most teams could say that they were going to be a good team, but that they weren't going to last longer than 12 months. And they made it about nine. Uh... <laughs> I
0: mean, to their credit, though, I mean, they made it. A final in their first year and
3: right? went to yeah. yeah yeah
2: they did a bunch of shit
3: yeah yeah for sure um I, I i would just again point to the struggle that like they kind of broke the mold with respect to like how they spent okay. where they spent and again I, I still don't think that's like appreciated into uh, like a valuable league of legends product i think right now what we're looking at and saying the success is this year did they did not have less than 60 days ago <laughs> like that's literally something they purchased um in the last 60 days uh, they they effectively did an entire massive full reset. And I don't think it's like we're in the what clear understand? right now to say let that me, they've done right? Let me flip it, right? it
2: to you and you answer it directly. Basically, uh-huh. Richard's premise there, so we'll use your team specifically, would be yeah. like the hyper hyperbolic joke way of saying it would be if Golden Guardians ever succeeded, then there'd be an offseason meeting and magically just any team that has the initials GGS would not be allowed to win LCA. Like that's almost the level that's hyperbole, obviously. But that's yeah. like what it feels like for some of the orgs that came in. I mean, there was orgs that came in with millions of dollars, you know, it wasn't like they came in and started from the bottom. Like they came in, in theory, ready to buy the players and just compete tomorrow with cloud nine. But well, actually, while some I... of them certainly were incompetent, there were also other factors in the industry that I do think pressured some of those people in a way that when I talked about like how TSM got it all one way when it was one way and then got the other way when it benefited them as well. I don't I don't think that happens to the new rogs to make so well, what about on your end? What do you think?
3: Well that's why well I guess what I can point out here then is do you feel like what A Hundred Thieves did was Um, the best decision they they, they could have made. Do you think uh, they were offered all reasonably viable pathways and that no one stood in their way, ultimately like in a way that you're allowed to, um, and then that's the roster that they manifested, right? I'm curious, like, do you think... Let's see they what could Richard thinks. The problem is he was one who, the, like he was the one who did
2: the 100 Thieves example, whereas I didn't. Like, to yeah. me, 100 Thieves, as far as I can tell, is if I actually did, like, a big 1988-style movie scenario where I wished on the fucking machine to be an adult that owned an eSports org. That's what I think 100 Thieves <laughs> is like. But <laughs> I want to know Richard's take on it, so as a reference to <laughs> the fucking aspect <there. laughs> That's good.
1: Um, no, th- listen. Th- p- uh, like, you can tell how successful uh, they think um you know the whole endeavor has been just predicated on, you know, how much they'll talk about it. I mean, like I said, you know, you didn't see Shot saying anything about his CS team. I mean, like, t- take for example, he was so far removed from what they were doing <laughs> that when he saw he, when he watched them on stream and just tried to randomly restream a broadcast without asking anybody, right? Because he's that divorced <laughs> from the live the land in our particular game, right? He, um, he was disappointed with his team losing to Chaos, who were like a hot and upcoming team at the time. He's didn't because he went on a world ranking saw they were number 32 knew nothing about any of the context and then basically said man this team sucks and had a little weird fucked up tantrum on stream about people he employs like you know so i've never seen him bellyache or gripe about league of legends i've never heard him say it's not a value uh, a product that doesn't bring value to his org it's very clear actually based on the content they put on youtube and the way they talk about it on their socials and the way they have influencers pulling for it that actually they're very. Pleased with the League of Legends product. They have an academy as well where they're looking... I feel farm, like we're only
3: observing last you know, uh, 60 days. Because if we look at last year, they were effectively silent for the better yeah. part of like six months. They were really loud when they got Papa Smithy. Like they got a big influencer. They got a big talent person at the helm of their management. And they were like super visible and obvious about it. And obviously they opened their facility. So it was super easy to lean on. Yeah. But obviously as things just started going all over the place, they tried to be transparent. They did a really good job on the content side. But again, like to me, that's not ultimately like lending credence to the success of League of Legends as a product. That was again like them leaning on one of their their influencers and giving him space to like explain. And then ultimately they just undid all of it. Like all of that transparency, everything they provided, uh, all of the lines that they drew to what they were doing. They, they just erased it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, like, they still yeah. have the 100 Thieves next going on. I know
0: that they're very, you know, a lot yeah, of what they, Papa was doing was right. like developing yeah. Academy and developing the, the Step Below Academy. And they have been really dedicated to that.
3: So, I mean, yeah, I would say Kelsey's who did that. And that's who they let go. I mean, <laughs> like, that's like it, it's still there. I mean, I. I it's yeah, like I
1: mean, like, I like Kelsey, obviously, but I've got no insight into what she was doing as a job and and, and what happened there, so... Yeah, that's right. i are they there in
3: earnest, but, like, to be clear, they're fielding a roster of, what, four effective imports? And Tanner, four-fifths of it's obviously our roster from last year, and ultimately what they said they were going to do a year ago is, like, a far cry from what they did now. And I'm not saying it's, like, not okay to change your mind. I'm just saying, to me, it indicates that there, there's a mismatch in expectations of what they want to be seeing... Valuation-wise, out of their League of Legends division,
1: it's possible. I mean, you know, my my perceptions, looking at it, you know, as I do, I I follow all esports. I'm as I've got older, I'm more interested in the business rather than the games. You realize after twenty years, the games they come, they go. You know, but but the the industry remains, right? I think we're all like book. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Man, yeah. that's the beginning of a straight fire country song by Richard. Like the games, they come yeah, and they go. Come they go. go. Exactly. <laughs> <They> go. <laughs> but esports won't say no.
3: next that they're not even top eight in amateur this year. I like mean, they... I
2: can't lie, Richard. Just to apropos what we were talking about before the episode, I do find there's no League of Legends World Championship finals ever going to entertain me more than D-Man selling all the fucking riot stock right before. Went a million. So I'll get us. You, you might be on to something there, mate. You might be honest. to Work, just working in again. I'll get us back on topic, actually for this. Yeah, Come on. thank you. I will say. <laughs> well, I this think this is to be the end. Nothing. Come on, let's make this like yeah. the home stretch now, boys. Yeah, yeah, I
3: think they made the right decision. That's actually what I was trying to get to. Was I think they made the right decision? But my problem is, if the best decision hundred thieves, as like a really strong brand in the league, could make was that, with, with the with an off season that includes like Jensen and it includes uh Santorin it has all these players moving around pieces moving sure. around and the best thing they can do is buy the golden guardians roster that that's an indicator of of concern for me
2: as in as in but just because i think you know, like the thought is incomplete like as in to you if they're really a team in a good position they should have been like yeah. but like, going to build the best roster now
3: yeah 100 these FlyQuest were the two teams right. that were supposed to example yes. that it was happening and mm-hmm. then they just went the other direction yes yeah right, but do then... you mean
1: yeah, but then also, as well, I mean, I don't know what fuckery's gone on behind the scenes. Well, that's what but I was saying. Uh, they're in
3: the they're, boys' group, so it's fine I was like, I mean, my concern is like.
1: Right, right. <laughs> so I see what you're driving at now. I mean, here's here's what here's what I'll add. Like, basically, when you uh, sort of first come into the League of Legends space, you, there is an expectation you will go and kiss the ring of, of the cartel in, in North America. And I don't know if Nade Shot's done that or not. But there is that that is a very real expectation or they're going to make things hard for you and they're going to be monitoring all the stuff you do and bitching a riot if you step out of line about any minor thing. And, you know, the idea that you would do that to like someone like Rick Fox is staggering to me. But that's exactly what happened. I mean, I don't know. uh, Rick's back to acting now and I, I haven't heard from him in a while. Um, so you know, I don't think I'm revealing any deep secrets. He got absolutely fucked. He couldn't believe what he was seeing because he wanted to come in and be an ambassador to gaming in general. He wasn't expecting a bunch of people to literally, basically, like get him of all people to sort of like get down on one knee and go, "Yes, I swear fealty to you, Lord Jack," and I will never, you know, just please let me have a team, please, please, you know, like, it's ridiculous. Um, so, so that is the yeah. example.
2: If people don't remember, was that one where because they like it was alleged they'd poached a player every lcs team just like boycotted scrimming them for like fucking yep. first month yep. or something mental of like the yep. entire yep. like like and in that scenario that's just anti-competitive behavior that's fuck all to do with like you know someone's opinion like that's crazy
1: yeah yeah absolutely insane and this is the way they can make things hard for you now based on again i hear every rumor in every esport ever um, and, you know, i have not heard any... I'm uh, any, uh, just letting people know Who are know you what fucking harmony.
2: sour on when the ring gets born? I see
1: you everywhere. <laughs> it, you better run <laughs> as well, motherfucker. You better run. Right? Because I'll tell you, like, I don't even need the ring rates anymore. Me. I just come for you direct. Believe that. So, anyway you know like i've never i haven't heard about any of these conflicts with, with these guys they seem by and large to be sort of comfortable with the idea that hundred days are a big brand big influencers and you know then might not be the most competitive money wise in, in 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 league in terms of how much they're willing to spend on that division but I think they've achieved a lot of success with parts that maybe they shouldn't have achieved success with. And I think they've got that sweet spot of having, you know, as a growing brand, you don't want to overspend too much. You have to look at them as an MGO. That's a multi-gaming organisation for the people listening. And look at who actually does matter to them the most. And then you have to apportion the money proportionately. I think I'm, in I'm terms guessing of their the of the big deal for Yeah, them, right? of course it is, mate. Yes. I mean, Shot said he weren't even going to get in on that Activision Blizzard Call of Duty League. Basically, he made them look like, fucking you know losers and then and then he, he jumped in anyway when it was all resolved it was like they weren't getting a big deal he mad dogged oh, wow. activision blizzard you think jack and reggie fucking intimidate him so <laughs> the, the the so the, the bottom line is this I, I think in terms of what they've spent yeah they didn't go after the big boys or the big names this time but they're still growing and if the fan base becomes up to the level of where their call of duty is they'll start competing with those boys and they got the clout and the money to do it so i think hundred thieves have actually been sensible, and, and, and probably I, I, I say it to all of the people respectfully down there, if you want to learn how to build up an esports organization that literally didn't exist five fucking years ago, and to get to the point they're at now, 100 Thieves is someone you want to study, not not condemn.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, you know, I'm not condemning 100 Thieves, I'm condemning the, the state of our ecosystem that the... Sure,
1: I get that. Yeah, I, yeah, get sure. it. I, I I wasn't saying so, so, you worked.
0: So, so, I feel like a be better pathways when when it comes to the region locking Dane, it seems like you're on the side of keeping the region locking kind of you know changing the rules of grandfathering and, and residency and then becoming the like true north american league and having that those rules ripple out across the rest of the world as well because it's the only way to play this
3: fairly which i i agree is that your take i think the most approachable aspect the most approachable would be that i think uh undoing the grandfathers we have currently um to like change the power and the leverage of the system right now, like where it's all located. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think if we could repeal the it would be good. I just think it's it's just such a big challenge and it's just it just takes so many hoops to jump through. It's just procedurally such a nightmare. And ultimately, if there are people who are concerned because there are people who are way better at assessing than I am, um saying that this is gonna like ruin our identity, then I'll trust them. So you wouldn't remove the region
0: locking, is what you're saying? You would, in fact, double down on the original enforcement of it.
3: Uh, yeah. But again, I actually find that also very difficult. I think like taking away the statuses of players is like super unapproachable for most of the league. If I had to query, like I, I'm not the person at the ownership table having this conversation. Um, but I'm sure if I posited that, it wouldn't be super, super. Couldn't even
2: be a legal nightmare, you could imagine. Yeah, okay. I, that's why I noticed you kind of instituted a grace period, which you probably need.
0: Well, I think what all. you what you do is you you make it contingent on when the players' contracts expire, right? So yes. they lose, you know, when their three year deal or whatever is up. That is the point in time in which they would lose their resident status, uh, yeah. which would make actual sense to me. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I mean I agree with you. I think that it's. the the imbalance is too severe across the the world right now. And if you want to exist in a system that is a bunch of regional leagues that feed into one tournament, it has to be consistent across that system. And you can't give LCS. They already have competitive advantages compared to the other regions, like period, you know, the Korean government isn't going to go and give a bunch of Chinese people or American people or European people, you know, permanent residency in Korea, most likely. So, and I mean, they wouldn't need it anyway, to be frank, uh, to be competitive at a global stage. But I do think that that's, you know, the the advantages have already been given to NA in the fact that they already got Australia, right? And yeah, Mm -hmm. you franchise in a region that doesn't have a lot of League of Legends players compared to the rest of the world, but you knew that going in, you knew it coming into this system and you said we will take that risk because the sponsorship money here is greater to make up for the lack of player base and to make up for the lack of viewership right yep and but now
3: not all money is created equal so ultimately i will say if the expectation which it, it shouldn't be the expectation but if the expectation is raised that na needs to be in the finals three out of the next five years then the only pathway to do that would be to repeal the restrictions i don't agree with it but you would have to i just don't see the the point
2: efficacious logically if you want to have that but i think because it doesn't matter to
0: me where the team is from that win worlds it just matters that they're the best team like i don't care Mm -hmm. yeah i I I I
1: think i think for me i i think this the solution to this is like you know i I, i'd want to go backwards honestly on, on, on the imports and get back to what it was originally intended in intended for and i think that's actually a better long-term strategy if you want to care about the region it's not it's going to hurt you in the short term if you're a tsm or a cloud nine but you have to believe if you fix all the other parts of the infrastructure that we've talked about over this show it's actually going to benefit you in three years four years five years and if you're not thinking long term like that do you even fucking deserve to succeed so, you know, are I, you a I, good I,
3: partner for the league?
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. That Riot Games have said many times it's a long term project. The amount of times Ten-year I ask that question et cetera, hurts, et, cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so I think, honestly, you know, it, it, it'll suck. I, I would go so far as to say, uh, if, if those people who have been grandfathered in and their contract expires and then, you know, we're talking about re- revoking their status, I think if they get American citizenship or dual citizenship I think that becomes fine then, right? That, that That's perfectly acceptable. But Cloud9 and TSM have had a bunch of uh, favorable rulings let's say, and a bunch of blind eyes turned already to give them the dominance in the region that they've got. You can't give them more fucking advantages just so they have a chance to go and beat the Chinese. Jeez, that's ridiculous. So, and the only yeah. team
3: that kept up
0: was TL spending. Well, and and also <laughs> yeah. it has to be said that other regions have made themselves more competitive over time. Europe has done a great job of building a grassroots system. The only reason that China started to eclipse Korea was because they spent years taking some of the best Korean players when they were fifteen years old, putting them in China, and then coaching them. Like the shy was in China starting years before he even started playing on IG and won worlds, right? And we knew he was there because when I was in Korea, the Chinese scouts were all over the ladder, bringing players to train to China and signing them to deals. It wasn't something where they snapped their fingers and overnight it happened. And that is what has been lacking in North America. Look at the viewership, guys. EU LCS used to be a fraction of the NALCS viewership. It was tiny. And now it's bodying lcs it's like the viewership is so much bigger and that's because you've had the infrastructure that richard has talked about being developed for a long time and it's, it's only... almost as if
1: people want to see good games
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you know certainly my
1: mind
0: mind blowing <laughs>
1: concept for people in america i guess
0: yeah but here's the thing ULCS lcs always had better games you know, that that was part of it and certainly the competitive success of them winning MSI, making the world's finals two years in a row, these things all helped, but also it was the product of the LEC, the compelling nature of the bro- they improved the broadcast, they improved yeah. the grassroots development system, they started to really invest in regional leagues across Europe, the Spanish League, the French League, you know, and these all of these things have led to more rookies, more personality being shown on the broadcast as well as higher, you know, competitive standards. And these are all things that I think LCS can take. But, you know, it's a disservice to the LPL and to LEC to not look at what happened over a number of years that is only starting to bear fruit within the last couple of years, right? And I think that that is what the demand should be. But if if we have to reset it and it has to be a fallow period for top-level LCS competition, look, I'm for it. I'm for it if it means that we can re- you know, allocate some of those resources. And I don't think that the region locking should be released for the entire world. I think that is, you know, would be a very bad idea unless you were to create a super league. And even then I'm not entirely sold on that. There are plenty of arguments not to do it, but that is the only way I could see you saying region locking is no longer a thing in law.
2: I'll just throw this in there as a final statement. Obviously don't take it too far. I'll just say this, the problem is this you cannot as Riot Games actually globally mandate how your game is run because there is a country called China who doesn't give a flying fuck what you think Riot Games, so as a result, it's all well and good saying I'm going to have rules against poaching. well go on and apply that to China then oh well, I'm going to have rules against match fixing apply that to China then, oh I'm going to have rules against owning multiple teams, well go ahead and apply it to China anytime you want then, so they don't own all the fucking teams and all the talent and move it around like god pieces on a chessboard, meanwhile Jack has to just have one team and then a shit academy to Like, the problem is the rules will never be fair for all the regions, unfortunately, specifically at the moment because of where we are in history and the global influence China has, not least because they own the fucking game indirectly. So... I, I'll just throw that out there. Like, it's all well and good us doing, like, that's what I actually prefer in these discussions. Like, you know, an abstract, like, here's, like, the philosophical reason why I believe this, or here's what could happen. Like, it's just in reality, it's kind of like what Dan said earlier. Like, there's certain things will never change about LCS, and there's certain things about the world of League of Legends the that will just never change, unfortunately, no matter how good the ideas are.
0: Well, that's a depressing way There's to the end bummer, the show. <laughs>
3: Listen, I'll always find that fucking, you know, the oh, ring cloud gap, that silver lining
2: and point it out to you, Monty. Don't worry about it. Till the bitter end, mate. The bitter end.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Danan, for joining us here for the first episode <laughs> of The Four Horsemen. We're all thrilled to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, yeah, if, you're, if you're just... Put it uh, to Monty. Here's the role I'm going to play on this
2: show, right? I once had a friend turn to me and with a really, like, dist- like disturbed look on his face say... Like, I've got to fucking find someone, mate. I don't want to die alone. And I said, technically, we all die alone
0: anyway. <laughs> exactly, so. exactly. That is, that is the bitter truth. Well, we didn't, just, have anything, didn't have a comeback to that, did he? Just the nihilistic See, and approach as well. to esports. And, and then he died alone. <laughs> Although yeah. I will say that, you know. And then I said,
2: listen, I've got to catch the bus. Like, are you going to fucking flatline soon or what? Because i fucking, I've got to get home. Man. <laughs> this is getting silly now. You know, anyway, whatever.
0: Well, more than a decade of esports will turn anyone into a nihilist. We've all seen way, 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 way oh. too much at oh. this point in time. It's a, It is an actual nightmare industry. But I I will say, like, when we do this show in the future, guys, won't always be about League of Legends. Again, it is in response two events happening. We will do the summoning ritual on Twitter. You'll be able to find I'm this. sure there'll be an owl one soon enough.
2: Surely. <laughs> that, that seems like that's inevitable on the horizon at this point
1: in time. <laughs> you know. a, good, a good exercise for all the people that are thinking about, you know, partaking in the summoning ritual. Uh, apparently, I'm told that fucking Hotline League will be on later on today. Why not compare this show to that fucking charisma vacuum? <laughs> wow. And, and see which one you
0: prefer. Just put so, that out there. The purpose of this is to bring a fourth horseman like danon on in order to get some uh you know very unique perspective so it'll always be a rotating guest um but we don't know when the show is going to be on is it going to be on every week god i hope not i really hope that there isn't enough bullshit in this industry to fill a weekly show will it be on (laughs) once a month probably i think there is enough bullshit for once a month um but if you guys across your esports Uh, Want to start the summoning? Well, you know where to tag us all on Twitter in order for us to consider that and have it happening. This happened because uh, this kind of spiraled out of control. But I hope we got some uh, more depth of conversation than what was happening everywhere else, which is like, does anyone else think LCS should be the only region without region locking? As if that was ever even remotely a possibility. Um, This is the the real show for esports inside information. We all have our uh various uh information insidious tentacles everywhere in the scene so we hear we hear the real shit we'll do our best to to pass it along to you guys so follow this channel insight on esports twitch youtube uh this is where this is where it's going to be and uh thanks dan for joining us we'll see you guys next time yep